Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Bowmag.com and scout.com. Thomas Watts here from Touchdown Alabama Magazine. Back in the studio in Mobile, Alabama. I am in Hoover and somewhere up in Huntsville. We're trying to uh, connect Drew Jarman, but uh, wow, that was uh, not a good connection at all. But, Drew, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you, Kerry. Uh, I don't know. Okay, sounds good. Wasn't connecting, but uh, we rejiggered and uh, now we're good. No, it does sound great now. Thank you for that. And, gentlemen, I'll start with you, Drew. Uh, it's like Christmas Eve for Bama football fans, but it's fall camp eve as we are once again on Wednesday nights from 8 to 10 Central. Welcome back to those of you who may have missed us on that time slot. But tomorrow, it all starts back at the capstone. And the big thing everybody is talking about, Drew Armand, is obviously the quarterback situation. I still say it's Jake Coker until further notice. There have been articles published on alabama.al.com as well as a, a Bama Online, people making all these speculations. But all of them seem to agree that at least when the first offense runs out there for the first time tomorrow, the man behind center is Jake Coker. Your thoughts, Bruce? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be Jake Coker, no doubt about it. Um, but, you know, I, I did hear of another website claiming that uh, it, that, that it, it could be Bateman or Alec Morris if it's not Coker. Uh I don't know where they got their information, but I think it's erroneous. Uh, basically, everything I've heard all summer long is it's Coker and Cornwell, and then Blake Barnett will be given every opportunity. Uh, obviously, Alec Morris could go out there and play very well, but uh, he did not get uh, a majority of the reps in the spring. He got less than those other three, uh, especially with the ones, did not perform well. And then Cooper Bateman spent a third to half of spring practice at wide receiver, so I don't really think those are going to be your top two. Uh, you know, I didn't read the article, but again, uh, to me, that's a little bit off. 
I'll just say that I don't know where they got their info, but I, I don't believe that at all. And uh, I, I just and I, I did not see the AL dot com article, but I believe it's just it's Jake Coker's job to lose. Uh, you know, David Cornwell was going to be given an opportunity, nearly won the job in the spring, but did not. And I think Jake Coker realizes this is his last go round. We hear he's had a very strong summer. And uh, also, of course, it always happens before fall camp. Had to debuke one rumor today. Uh, there was a rumor floating around about Bo Scarborough being suspended. The sources I checked with said uh, erroneous, and we all probably know where that originated from. Oh, Lee County, Alabama is where I heard Absolutely. Of course. They've got nothing better to do. Yeah, well, you know, it's going to be funny, Drew, at the end of this year and next year when they look back and they, they figure out that, that Bo Scarborough was actually a better SEC player than, than Javon Robinson. That's going to, that's going to hit hard. Well, we hope so, and uh, Bo's made a great recovery, and uh, I don't expect him until the Ole Miss game, but, again, he's made a quicker recovery than anyone could have thought, and uh, just hope he continues to grind and do well. But, uh, yeah, anxious to see Bo Scarborough in an Alabama uniform, and, uh, you know, they got on Johnson. We got Bo Scarborough. We'll see who ends up being the better player. And just to give you people that are listening live with us, and we appreciate that, a little preview of, of what's all going to go down. We're going to continue to talk fall camp even uh, after our first caller comes on in 10 minutes at uh, a quarter after the hour. That'll, that'll be uh, Mr. Drew Chaplin from the Alabama Media Group who actually put out the David Cornwell Has a Shot article, which was better than the uh, other article we talked about. But uh, they were both, uh, well, the, the Alabama Media Group article was better. Uh, oh, no it, doubt. Even, it, it even admitted that Coker was going in number one, and, and it was just, I believe, as we just said. Now, after that, uh, at a little, about five minutes after next hour, about 9.05 Central, we're going to hear a call from a fan in Clinton, Mississippi, who is a fan not only of the Clinton Arrows for her daughter's a cheerleader, but a fan of the Alabama Crimson Tide, and no one was happier. Texting back and forth by a slight we made than this young lady. Andrew's mother too. Her name's Nikki. We won't give the last name, but uh, she knows uh, her daughter has basically grown up with Cam Akers, who is the newest commitment for the Alabama football program. A class of 17 running back. He plays quarterback at uh, Clinton. Andrew, you can't imagine how happy I was to get the news, not only for Nikki and her daughter being friends with Cam, but also for the fact that I've already got a, a game schedule for Friday Night Lights column for Bama Mag. Uh, September the 6th in Starkville, where, you know, Clinton is visiting them, and I'll get to see uh, A.J. Brown and Cam Akers in the same game, not to mention some other prospects. So, uh, but before we even bring on Drew Champlin, who, who knows a bit about Cam Akers, uh, go ahead and tell the listeners, Drew, in your opinion, what Alabama's getting in Cam. Uh, well, he's uh, he's 5'11", 215 pounds. Uh, he's he plays on both sides of the ball for the Clinton Arrows. Uh, he 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 started since he was a ninth grader. Uh, he he rushed for nearly uh, nine hundred, or excuse me, passed for nearly nine hundred, rushed for nearly seven hundred. Uh, when he was a when he was a true when a freshman, they went three and eight that year. But as a sophomore last year, they completely kind of turned their program around. They went ten and three, uh, made a run in the playoffs, and he threw for. Uh, 1,800 yards, and he and he and he rushed uh, for nearly 900, and he accounted, I believe, for 38 touchdowns. And he's uh he's he's just really a dangerous kid. I mean, he's 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 big and thick, and 
he looks like a running back. He's playing QB for them because he's their best athlete. But the best way for me to describe him is I just think uh, I don't. I, you know, he he what he what he did at Alabama that I was really impressed with is Nick Saban said he had the softest hands he'd ever seen. That they he's a guy that they could put in the slot that they could throw they could screen the ball to uh, that they could throw even vertically to. In other words. Someone Lane Kiffin could take, you know, if he was there as offensive coordinator, could take advantage of. He's someone that can. He ran the football well. He caught the football well. And again, most everybody has uh, con- uh, believes uh, that he will be a running back. But he's, his head, it, as Drew Champlin, we, we don't want to let that cat out of the bag too much. But as he'll talk about in just a few moments, his high school coach believes he could be an All SEC and all, or an All American safety. He's that kind of athlete. It sounds like he's a very charismatic young guy and. He'd made two or three trips to Alabama. I knew Alabama was really solid in there with Cam Akers. I was a little surprised he committed this early, especially being from the state of Mississippi. But uh, he seems to have a you know excellent support system with his family around him. He's the top prospect in the 2017 class in the state of Mississippi, and he's someone that uh, Alabama targeted early, and uh, Nick Saban went after. And uh, they still need to add another 2016 running back. And there was a uh, announced today. Uh, Florida Gator commitment from Dodge City, Kansas Community College. Uh, Mark Thompson, who's the top uh, JUCO running back in the country, is, sl- is scheduled a December 12th visit to Alabama. But And, of course, Devin White from Spring Hill, Louisiana, is someone to watch, uh, as well as Elijah Holyfield. Though it looks like Holyfield will go to Georgia. Alabama wants to add another back in 2016, but dare to say that if they can, can hold on to the commitments of Cam Akers, who says he's still going to take visits, but uh, really is happy with his Alabama decision. And then Najee Harris, who Tosh Latoy is his lead recruiter uh, for the Crimson Tide. Uh, Najee is the top uh, running back in the 2017 class. Cam Akers is a consensus top five. To me, it, when you're talking same class, uh, it could be the two best backs Alabama signed in one class in the Nick Saban era. And uh, will be run away the top running back class in the country if they can sign them in February 2017. Yeah, that's that's a great point. You you hold on to both those two guys, and and to me, you're set in the 17 class. But I totally agree with you. They've got to find one more for the 16 class, and 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 I'm with you now. I hate to admit it, but the Holyfield situation is is probably not going to work out for Bamba simply because he wants to commit the week of Labor Day, and I don't know that Alabama's ready to take him at that point. So probably going to go to Georgia by default if they weren't going to get him anyway, which is just. Disappointing for me, but so much of my dream of Evander Holyfield and Devontae Wilder sharing the sideline in Alabama. I'll get over it. We'll be fine. I'm very happy with the quality of the other running backs that that are coming into the class. So, uh, yeah, and that's that's the 17 class. The 16 class does need one more. But, Drew, you know, and we'll get into this with Drew Champlin a little bit, but it still disturbs me that there's not a, a true inline tight end in the current class, and I, and I just and I know you got high hopes for the four-star kid, and he may develop into it. But I just feel like that to seal the edge, they've got to find a true tight end in this class. And I want to get your thoughts on that. Well, yeah, they and they're continuing to, to to evaluate and reevaluate. But the problem is, Kerry, and a lot of it is the where these offenses uh, uh, have gone in high school football. They don't feature an inline block and tight end. Most of these uh, uh, football teams around the southeast and, of course, even the country, the spread has become so prevalent in the hurry-up, no huddle, most of these teams don't use a true tight end. And so you, when you, uh, if, if you can find one, such as a Jackson Harris, 
uh, even an you know an Isaac Nada, someone like that. They're few and far between, and uh, and they're hard to get and they're hard to to snag. And the Georgia Bulldogs have been very fortunate. They got Jackson Harris. It looks like they'll get Isaac Nada. They run more of a pro style, and uh, they've thrown lately in the last couple of seasons. They've thrown the football to the tight ends a little bit more than Alabama because O.J. Howard did not have a good year last year. So. Uh, they're pouncing on that, and OJ is really not a, a true, you know, blocking tight end. He's more of an H, of course, and a flex tight end. But again, uh, if OJ has a good year this year, I still think. And don't forget, I mean, I still think Hale Hinges can uh, can develop into an inline blocking tight end. He may not be a dominating blocker like you know Michael Williams, but people forget Michael Williams was recruited as a Jack linebacker and moved to tight end. He sort of did that and then matriculated over there. And sometimes that's how the, that thing happens. I still think, uh, it, depending on how some of the young offensive linemen come along, you could see Brandon Green move back to the inline block and tight end. I thought uh, near the end of last year he was really starting to assert himself, but they had a number shortage at tackle, which is fixing to be remedied in the next recruiting class. But it's going to be interesting to see uh, where Brandon Green ends up. You could do a lot of unbalanced lying with him, too. And uh, he'd, he'd basically be an offensive tackle but lined up at tight end. So I think uh, Coach Saban will probably scheme around that and try to just find a role for someone. And it's why they moved Johnny Dwight, who struggled in his red shirt year, first with a little bit nicked up, but then struggled at defensive line, and uh, they've moved him to tight end. Uh, I, I'm, he's probably not going to be ready this year, but I'll be interested to see after a year at the position uh, kind of where he is. And I've got some hopes as far as the current team. My complaint was regarding the, the recruiting back. Regarding the current team, I, I, I'm not so sure they might not be able to get some ceiling of the edge from Dakota Ball, group. Yeah, I mean, Dakota Ball had a good spring, and I, I should have brought him up. I thought he really stepped forward in the spring. He's a big-time physical guy. He kind of wanted to move back to defense, but uh, a good uh, uh, someone that I'm close to is friends with him, and I just told him, you, you tell Dakota Ball if he wants to get on the field, he needs to stay at tight end. They need somebody that will that'll dirty their nose and uh, bloody it and get in there and block. And there's no doubt in my mind that uh, Dakota Ball can be that guy. He was buried on the depth chart at defense. And this is his second full year at tight end. And I really thought in the spring he was starting to assert himself. And I think he could easily – I agree with you, Kerry. And, and if you're talking about Dakota, he's still got a couple years eligibility left. Uh, it, it lessens the need – uh, and Brandon Green as well, to get one in this particular recruiting class. But, of course, down the road, uh, they're going to have to solve it. And I'll say this, uh, as far as 2017, they're going to recruit Austin Troxel as a tackle. If they can get the commitment from Austin Troxel, do not be surprised if he doesn't start his career as a tight end before shifting to tackle. He did the same thing at Madison Academy as they brought him along slowly and uh, didn't want to uh, overload him early. Yeah, I think Austin can play tight end. Oh, actually, he's already proved he can play it. But I think he could play it at this level. Uh, probably a good idea. That's a, that's a very good thought, particularly if you get Randolph in the same class and Lord knows who else in that class at, at offensive tackle. The thought of him being a, a an edge to and tight end is, is 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 comforting down the road a little bit. But Six, uh, seven three hundred, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and good technique and good footwork and uh, an athletic kid and, and a guy who plays basketball. And has good hands, and, but he's he's two years down the road. But it is a good thought. It's a very pleasing thought. But now we have our first guest of the evening, and he's joining us on the Big Heads Barbecue Hotline. Check him out at BigHeadsBBQ.net. Want to welcome in a good friend of Bams Radio, Mr. Drew Champlin. 
from AL.com. And Drew, you're on with Kerry, Drew, and Thomas. What's going on, buddy? Hey, guys. How's it going? Good, Drew. How are you, bud? Fantastic. Thanks well, for having me on. Kind of, uh, we, well, we're glad to have you. We've been kind of dissecting some of the things uh, for fans to look for as, as fall camp opens at the Capstone tomorrow. Obviously, the quarterback situation is what everybody's talking about, and there was a good article on your website uh, talking about the fact that it's Coker's job to lose, but that David Cornwell will probably give him at least a little bit of a push. Uh, just to get your own personal take on that, Drew Champlin, how do you see quarterback shaking out at this point? Uh, I think the same thing. I'm, at this point, I'm just going to go ahead and say I'd be really surprised if Coker doesn't get the start in game one. It just kind of seems like that's the trend Saban's gone with. But, you know, maybe those younger guys, in the, and I'd say Cornwell, and that could also include, you know, a Bateman or a Morris, maybe those guys take care of the ball better. And uh, maybe that, you know, I think it's going to be if Coach is slinging around the interceptions left and right in practice, which we won't be seeing that because practice is closed. But uh, if that's the case, then he may elect to start somebody else. So, you know, I think Blake Barnett's a very talented player. He's going to be a big-time player. I just I don't see that happening this year for him. I think he's got to get, still got to get a little bit bigger and stronger and used to the game. So uh, at this point, I think I'd say I'd just be surprised if it's not Coker starting game one. Totally agree. And also, you had a chance uh, to talk to uh, the coach and the player, I guess both, of Cam Akers, the newest commitment. Uh, and, and just to let you know, Drew Champlin, I've already told the other guys this, I have a friend whose daughter is a cheerleader at Clinton, and they're in the same class of 17. They, they, the two of them have basically grown up together. They're very close. Uh, he texted her last night that he committed to Alabama. Blah, blah, blah. So, of course, she texted me but. Uh, it's it's really cool for her because she's also a Bama fan, and she's actually going to call us next hour and tell us some stuff about Cam. But getting back to my question, you you had a chance to talk to to the kid and the coach both, uh, Drew Champlin, and tell us what you think at this early juncture that Alabama is getting in Cam Akers. Um, I've only really been able to share some direct messages with the kid confirming his commitment. I think his phone's been blown up, but I was able to talk to his coach last night, and I'm not sure how many other people have been able to actually reach the coach. Uh, um, but he, this coach is very high on Cam Akers. I mean, he said basically, and I quote him, he's the best damn high school football player I've ever seen. And that's uh, that's saying a lot. But, you know, my coworker, John Talty, used to work in Mississippi when uh, Cam was just coming up as a freshman. And uh, he was the real deal then. You know, he's one of those guys that you, you know, in eighth or, or in ninth grade, you're like, okay, watch out for this kid. He's going to be a stud. And, and he still is a stud. And he's a uh, He's apparently a heck of a player for this team and for Clinton High School. So, uh, you know, plays quarterback for them because he's the best player on the team. Um, but he's Alabama offered him as a running back. So it's another big-time running back in the 2017 class, along with Najee Harris out of California. But now it's just they got to keep him committed. And there's going to be, I'm sure, rumors and, you know, speculation for, for another year and a half or two years or however long it is. But it's, uh, it seems like he's a heck of a player. Yeah, he really does, Drew, and that's got to be one of the best quotes of the year. One of the best damn high school football, the best damn high school football player I've ever seen. That's that's a that's a nice quote to get from Judd Boswell over at Clinton High School, and obviously, I I'm like everyone else. I've been following Cam Akers uh, since I, I think they did a TV special on Fox Sports uh, uh, South or either ESPN. I think it was during some of the draft uh, prep for a, a young guy that had been uh, uh, had played in the SWAC. 
at maybe Prairie View A&M or maybe one of the Mississippi schools. And I think he was helped train some of the Clinton kids. And I think they, uh, they, they, they talked to Cam Akers. And you could tell he was a, a big-time physical specimen. And uh, it's, I know uh, there's been a lot of speculation, Drew, about Alabama taking two running backs in 2016. But 2017, if they can keep these two kids committed – and you you've seen the the the, uh, the level of running back Coach Saban has had. I mean, every starter or primary ball carrier uh, from 2008 on has declared early for the NFL draft. And if they can sign these two in the same class, uh, and I'm just talking about the same class, but it would, in my opinion, on paper, it would be the two best in one class that they signed. And that's saying something when you've got the number one back uh, in Najee who just put on a freak show in Oregon, and then you've got Cam Akers who is a consensus top five kid. Uh, that's some uh, great work early by Alabama with, you know, almost two years to go. Yeah, you just got to hope they stay healthy and they stay committed, you know, because uh, I'm sure Akers is going to get – he's going to get the pressure of the heat put on him by the Mississippi schools and by LSU. Um, I was, you know, I knew Alabama was after him a lot. I was kind of surprised he committed. Just I think everybody was. It may have come out of nowhere a little bit. But, uh, you know, he obviously has – pretty high goals and you know coach Eddie's a special kid and the once in a lifetime talent and you know Mississippi's got the state of Mississippi's got some pretty elite talent uh especially in this 2016 class and I started looking at schedules last night wondering hmm need to try to see if I can get over somewhere in the state and see a game I think Clinton's playing at Starkville which has A.J. Brown of the big wide receiver and they've got some other talented players as well near the end of the season but uh Oh yeah, that's yeah. something that Friday Night Lights kids just follow. Oh okay, yeah, I need to I need, to, need to hear that or check that out. But uh, yeah, you know, Starville's got some really good players. Mississippi, the whole state's got a seems like some really high end talent this year. But Cam Akers, as a junior, stands stands alone with those guys. I think. Well, you know, there isn't really a true left tackle in the 2016 class yet. There are a lot of hopes turn toward the state of Texas with the decommitment out there uh, of Greg Little. But, Drew Champlin, how do you see that position shaping up between now and signing day? Yeah, it seems like they're they're waiting on Greg Little, and he said he was going to announce on his birthday, which, if I remember right, was November either 4th or the 9th. It was one of those two days. Um, but early November, uh, Alabama, Ole Miss, those two schools are in the mix. I imagine Texas A&M probably still is as well. But he'll have his pick of where he wants to go. I'd say Alabama probably the favorite right now, but you never know what's going to happen. Um, and I think they'll cast it a lot with this kid. And if he takes Ole Miss or Texas A&M, then, well, there's still two more months to turn the heat up on somebody else if they want to. So, um, uh, I really, those are that's the guy that I think everybody's looking at. I think if he doesn't go well, then, then you'll start to see more names pop up than they've offered. I think Scott Lashley out of Mississippi may have gotten offered, you know, a kid out of Oklahoma that Tremonda Moore um, believe. I've messaged with him a little bit. I haven't had a chance to talk with him, and he may be a guard, but he's about 6'6", 330 pounds. I think he's he's gotten an offer. So, uh, yeah, but I think Greg Little is probably the one, is obviously the one they're hoping for. He really is, and and also in the state of Texas, just there's two other kids. One's committed to Arkansas, Kellen Deesh, and and then John Delance uh, from Mesquite, who at one time was committed to Oklahoma. Uh, then they had the, the the racially charged comments, and he he decommitted, and he's interested in Alabama. But it it does revolve around Greg Little, 
but I do think the staff thinks Jonah Williams has the potential to play left tackle as well. But Greg Little's just too good. He's an elite kid. He's the, the top offensive tackle in the country. He did a very good job at the opening. And, uh, and now, Drew, what's going to be interesting to watch is, and I know you've been monitoring it and you and I have exchanged, you know, uh, thoughts on it, but wide receivers become very interesting because they're in on so many really good kids, and yet with the spots where they are, they're probably only going to be able to take a couple. But it, whoever they end up being, they're going to be very, very good players, but it's going to be uh, like a roller coaster, I think. Yeah, you know, you, you hear about six, seven, eight guys who Alabama mentioned among the top two or three schools. And, you know, not just top five or top ten, but, you know, right up there at the top. But they can only take probably maybe two or three more of them. You look at – I wrote a little roundup earlier on AL.com this week, and I kind of didn't really say it, but kind of listed it in order of who – where I thought or the the chances – the best chances of coming to Alabama would be. I think uh, Michael Jones was pretty high up there. I think Kevin Ridley was pretty high up there. Um, You know, Trevon Diggs – I think he's got a good chance he could be a cornerback. Um, and then you, you look at guys like A.J. Brown, we mentioned earlier, uh, Starkville. He said in the past that Alabama's recruiting him the hardest. And, uh, you know, Demetrius Robertson, you, you wonder, uh, man, he may be a longer shot now than, than we thought. But uh, but I think he's still very interested in Alabama. And, uh, you know, they're trying to get D.K. Metcalf out of, out of Oxford. I think that's a long shot. I think he's going to go to Ole Miss. But, and then I'm sure there's several more that uh, – that they're in the mix for, but uh, it seems like they, they're going to be able to pick two or three pretty good ones. Yeah, that's that's correct. And then, and let's not forget, uh, in the 2017 class, they've got one of the better ones in the country. Uh, his film is very impressive, and that's D.D. Bowie. And, uh, of course, uh, i got to give a lot of credit so far. Now, they have to sign these guys and get them on letter of intent. But Bo Davis coming back in his second term, and then Burton Burns and Billy Napier to a certain degree. Alabama is uh, still swinging in the state of Mississippi. It's very hard to get kids out of there, but they seem to have made some inroads in the state. Uh, I think they're the favorite right now for A.J. Brown. And just to show you how recruiting changes so rapidly, Drew, I know you and I were talking about Darnell Solomon maybe going public Alabama by the end of July. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I don't think Darnell Solomon is going to be in the class now for the Tide. Yeah, I mean, he was a guy that I had almost forgotten about him uh, until you mentioned him. But, uh, yeah, his his stock seems to have, have dropped a little bit in the minds of people who follow recruiting. But you never know. I mean, I think two or three weeks ago, people may not have thought Michael Jones would have been uh, almost, uh, you know, coming close to committing to Alabama. And a lot of people may have thought he was going to last week, but he just released his top four. So, uh, yeah, I don't think uh, Solomon, you know, I think they may – they may just push past him and get get one of these guys from Mississippi or Louisiana. But, yeah, you know, I think if they're able to hold on to Raekwon Davis, it's going to be another that'll kind of, you know, that people say Saban can't go get somebody out of Mississippi. You know, he went and got Matt Womack, but Womack's not quite as regarded as a prospect as a guy like Raekwon Davis is. So if he's able to hold on to him, if he's able to sign A.J. Brown, I think the tide's kind of changing a little bit in the right direction for Alabama in the state of Mississippi. Drew, uh, I guess this makes a little more sense to me now that I think about the olden days when Huntsville and Birmingham and Mobile each had their own Alabama beat writer. But since all three of those merged and became Alabama Media Group, they first had one, then they had two, and now there's going to be three beat writers for UA from 
AL.com with the addition this week of, of John Talty. Uh, there's already Matt Vince and there's already Mike Casagrande. Help me understand the, the line of thinking to where they, need, they think they need three guys. I, I know there's a lot to cover. I get that. But what, what was the way they worded it to y'all? Uh, really, it wasn't been worded it to us. They just kind of told us or told some guys what they're going to be doing. So that's kind of pretty much how it ended up with that. But, yeah, they're, those guys are going to be covered. Being in Tuscaloosa, I uh, think all three of them are probably going to be living there now. Uh, just kind of like we're going to have three in Auburn. I think Wes Honor was probably going to move down to Auburn. So, uh, you know, just, just to get another set of eyes, it seems like. So that's that's obviously good. And, you know, when you have two, I get the thinking is that you really need two to do all the the nuts and bolts work because there's a lot of that, you know, and then you can have one guy focus more on enterprise reporting and bigger features and stuff like that. So, uh you know, I think with the beat like Alabama is as many eyeballs that read Alabama coverage, you know, it's almost like the more the merrier. So that's kinda of, that's kinda of where that, that line of thinking is, I think. I also wanted to ask you a little bit, uh, before we get too far into football, about the basketball situation. There there seems to be a, a battle of uh quasi internet insiders right now in regards to whether or not Kobe Eubanks will get into school uh, later this month. Have you heard anything at all about the, the pros or cons of that? Yeah, it seems like from what we're hearing, what, what Matt Zenas wrote is is expected to be there in August or, or for the start of the August term. But, you know, uh, you can be kind of skeptical a little bit just because I think it seems like he had committed to or signed with Baylor last year and couldn't get eligible and then went to some Institute in Florida, so it kind of makes you wonder, you know, what what does this transcript really look like? You know, does he really have issues that prevented him from going to more of a perceived basketball powerhouse? But because he obviously seems like a pretty player, so probably just going to be a wait and see when uh, August rolls around. Because I think I think a lot of people may have thought he was going to be there in early July, and when it didn't happen, well now there's people, you know, basketball fans probably starting to freak out a little bit. And then the second part of that question involves someone that's uh, apparently about to take a visit that probably never would have visited under the prior staff. Five-star guard Terrence Ferguson. Many people all along had him pegged to Kansas. And then about two weeks ago, a Duke writer prophesied that Alabama had taken the lead. And some people took that with a grain of salt. But it appears he has a relationship with Avery Johnson Jr. as well as a good one with Senior. And... Some of the Kansas fans that were very confident aren't as confident as they were before. What, what have you heard regarding Terrence Ferguson? Well, just scrolling Twitter, he tweeted that he was going to make an unofficial visit to Alabama tomorrow. So uh, that's, that's that's obviously big. And um, I, you hear, and I haven't been able to reach anybody with connections to him, and it doesn't really seem like anybody has. I think it's a lot of just kind of sources said this and that, but. It does seem like Alabama's made some really good ground with him. They had a, a visit with him in the spring, uh, not too long after Avery Johnson was hired. I believe him and Antoine Petway went and visited with him in his home. So uh, you you hear these names, or you hear Avery Johnson offering five stars in all these classes, um, but then you, you, you think, okay, he's got to go get one, and this would be huge if he's able to get him. Because I think if one big-time guy comes to Alabama, that probably opens the door for other big tough players as well. So uh, 
think you've got to reel in that first big-time one, and if it's Terrence Ferguson, you're going to see a lot more guys like that. Maybe not in this class, because I'm not sure that there's an abundance of scholarships left. There's probably one or two, uh, or in 2016, maybe two or three, but I'd, but uh, if, if they get Terrence Ferguson, I think it's going to open up the doors for, for a lot more of them to come in. And i got to agree with Drew. Uh, I, I think, you know, Toby had told me, I had him on my radio show in Huntsville, and talking ball he told me he would enroll in early july or this actually the second july summer term in mid-july but he did not but i wouldn't freak too out too much i mean trevor lacy got eligible levi randall <laughs> levi randall was a great student was eligible and you know all there's been a lot of guys that again there was a lot of speculation about trevor lacy when he came out of butler but he uh he he enrolled when he was supposed to he was eligible uh, I, I can't remember. I guess the last uh, the signee that Alabama uh, uh, took and then had to wait for a year was Tony Mitchell, uh, who ended up going to prep school. But I would imagine, uh, and I've talked to also the coach, uh, Kobe's coach at the prep school in Florida, and he said the same thing. Uh, he he said they expect him to be eligible. They've got uh, excellent academic programs over there. Uh, a lot of people freak out because he he hasn't been seen in workouts and he didn't enroll, but. I think Alabama is very optimistic he's going to make it. And and uh, one telling sign, Kerry Clark, and I think you'll agree with me here, Andrew, he's on the official roster already with a number. Uh, so I think they think he's going to get in. It just may have taken a little longer. Yeah, he signed. So I'm not, you know, obviously they're going to go ahead and put him on the roster. But, yeah, I think he's probably, like you said, uh, it's been a long time since somebody didn't make it in. So I think uh, I think he's going to be in, and I think if he – yeah, I think he's got a chance to play a lot of minutes this year at that position. Yeah, no doubt. And, and Terrence Ferguson would be huge. Uh, it would be a shot across the bow to a school like Kansas, and uh, it would it would really prove that Avery Johnson's a, a ride. And I also know that I believe he has a close relationship with Scott Postickle, who has a lot of ties in Texas as well. Um, and it could open the door. I think they'll sign three players. It's been kind of hard. Uh, you know, we've talked about uh, – uh, the uh, the the, uh, the kid of out of Nashville, Tennessee, that uh, Alabama's on the short list for, uh, and I know you Drew, you were on the Mustafa Heron thing, uh, but it looks like Heron, uh, Mississippi State's involved too, but it looks like uh, St. John's in his backyard could be the favorite for him. Yeah, uh, Heron, I'd be I'd be surprised if he gets somebody out of out of uh, you know New York, a big time player like that, to come to Alabama. But you never know. I think the bigger the big five-star prospect types they're going to get are probably going to be the ones that come out of Texas or, you know, in-state, depending on what the 2017 class guys turn out to be like. So, uh, but, uh, you know, Mississippi State's going to start to become a major player for these kids again. You know, they got a transfer from uh, Louisiana Tech, and they got uh, Malik Newman as well. Of course, he's from Mississippi. But, uh, yeah, it's going to um, – uh, there's probably going to be a Blackwell. I'm not real sure about it. It seems like he's a Vanderbilt lean, but – Seems like there's more offers. They've they've offered some big men that uh that have that have uh they're considering Alabama. I know there's a big man I cannot remember his name, but recently released his top eight or so, and it had Alabama among several basketball powers. So I think uh you know I think things are trending in the right direction. I just think they've got to get that first one to say he's going to come to Alabama, and that'll get more of them to Alabama. Yeah, no doubt, Drew. And if they can get Ferguson, he may be able to. Uh, attract other players. I know he plays on a talent-laden AAU team in the state of Texas, and of course he plays at Prime Prep out in the Dallas, Texas area that I believe was started by Deion Sanders. But uh, so I, it should it would be huge for them. And there's been a lot of speculation that 
in the last couple of weeks that Alabama's taken the lead, and it's going to be very interesting uh, to see where that goes. But and, and, but uh, switching gears back to the uh, to football recruiting, I know you already brought up Raquan Davis, and there was a mini firestorm uh, this week about him decommitting, and his, but his, uh, he say he claims his Twitter was hacked and that a friend was playing a joke. But uh, obviously, uh, it looks like LSU has made some inroads with him. He went to camp there, had a good time. Uh, but Mississippi State, there's a lot of ties to that coaching staff at Meridian, so they're always going to be there. You have to uh, kind of uh, be leery of that. But again, uh, Alabama offered him first. He seems to have a strong relationship with Bo Davis. But regardless, Drew, uh, I know you've been following it closely. I, and I was uh, talking to someone about, about this this afternoon. I have never seen, especially in the state of Georgia, but really throughout the southeast, the number of great defensive linemen. And that's where Alabama is very fortunate because they're in on so many. They'll probably add about three more. But regardless of that combination, uh, they're going to sign a very, very good defensive line class, it looks like. And uh, unlike last year, I, I don't think the class is as deep, but 2016 is uh, just a mind-boggling how many good DLs there are in the southeast and in the country. Yeah, the, the Raekwon Davis was, was interesting. I was at a bear in the game when the news started to come out and somebody else was going to post a link to it. And then I clicked on Raekwon's Twitter and he claimed he had been hacked. And I messaged him, asked him what was going on. He basically just said, don't worry. You know, he didn't want to explain anything about it, but he did not decommit. So that was a crazy story. But yeah, there's a, a lot of guys, even really talented ones, you know, like uh, Alabama's trying to get in on some of these kids that have uh, – have decommitted, like Terrell Hall, to just decommitted from Ohio State could be a big target for Alabama. Uh, trying to get in on Janarius uh, Robinson, the guy who's committed to Florida State. You know, they're in on um, uh, Rashawn Gary. You know, I'm not sure what the deal is with him in Alabama now, but, uh, you know, um, they're going to they're gonna put their best foot forward with Marlon Davidson as well. I went and visited with him recently for uh, our A-list series, but, you know, he, he People say, you know, he's going to go to Auburn. It may happen, but they're, his people are trying to say, look, you know, I'm wide open, so we'll see what happens with him. So, uh, yeah, there's all kinds of all kinds of defensive talent out there. Alabama's got a good class, you know, with a guy like Kendall Jones and, um, you know, uh, I think Khalid Cream is more of a jack linebacker. But, uh, yeah, there's going to be – and obviously Raekwon Davis, I think, maybe even a five-star now or close to it. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of guys already committed that are pretty good, and they're in on a lot of guys who are pretty good. We'd be remiss if we didn't bring up the decommitment of Dylan Moses from LSU, uh, the all-star running back, who is still a very young guy. But I'm told that even though he decommitted from LSU because he wants to go through the process, that he's still basically a pretty firm private to LSU. Uh, is that kind of what you're hearing, Drew, or, or anything different? You know, I think he's really interested in Alabama. I think uh... – you know, LSU committed LSU, and they've since changed defensive coordinators. And um, I wonder if that may have something to do with it. But I think he's going to heavily consider Alabama. He may end up at, uh, he maybe end up at LSU when all's said and done. But uh, I think Alabama really is a legit factor for, for for Moses going forward. And I think they are too, Drew. And he's been a frequent visitor to Alabama. He really projects on the defensive side of the ball at linebacker. But uh, with his cousin Corey Raymond being on the coaching staff, and and uh, and with uh, his close relationship with Frank Wilson being at Lab High School, obviously LSU didn't push for Tim Williams, and hopefully he'll come into his own this year at Alabama and do what I predicted and get 12 sacks and make him regret it. But it's going to be tough to get kids from Baton Rouge Lab High School 
no question about that. But uh, but I'll say this. I think without a doubt, uh, when you look at Alabama's board and you look at guys like Michael Carter who, from Jackson, Georgia, who I think they're really uh, solidly in the lead for, uh, and then you look at Jeffrey Simmons, another kid from Macon, Mississippi, who I think they feel really good about. I really think uh, that, that Janarius Robinson – they have a, they, they, if they push, they can flip him. But I'm not, not necessarily sure they're going to completely push yet. Uh, I think he projects as a defensive end. Uh, and then Terrell Hall, more of a jack. I think they, they, they're really going to turn up the heat on him because of losing Xavier Kelly to Clemson. But uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how those last few slots go. And I would not be shocked uh, if there's a – and I do believe there are a couple of gray shirts that are going to happen. So it's going to give them some more flexibility as far as numbers go. And, uh, I, you know, it's, it, it, I really am excited to see how, it, how how the last few spots play out, the last 10, 11, 12, because I think uh, right now with all the guys they're in on, they've got a uh, chance uh, to, to have another number one class. But, the, but really their goal is offensive to, to build this class from inside out and have be really strong on the O-line and the D-line. And I think there's, they are going to be – uh, really strong there, despite the fact I think Rashawn Gary is going to go to Michigan. But I know Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Georgia, they're going to keep recruiting the young guy. And he's a freak and probably the number one player in the country. But when you got four coaches on Jim Harbaugh's staff that have direct ties to Paramus Catholic, I, I think uh, it's going to be tough to, to ultimately land Rashawn Gary. But, again, so many good defensive linemen out there. And then the linebackers, Drew. I mean, I know you know uh, – Ben Davis well and, and Lindell Mack Wilson. you got those two guys. Alabama, I think, is solidly in lead forward. If you can get a guy like Dontavious Jackson from Texas, be a great linebacker haul. Even with, and especially when you when – you, uh, and I hate to say let, but uh, they basically did let Erol Thompson go to Mississippi State. And you know, uh, you and I both know how good a player he is. Yeah, he's a, he's a good player with a big body. And yeah, Jeffrey Simmons was another guy in Mississippi I'd kind of forgotten about until you brought him up but He's a guy they feel pretty good about, I think, and uh be another big win to go in and get a guy like him out of there because I think he probably wants to play with Raekwon Davis. So, uh, and yeah, uh, I think Gary's coach last year is now on – Paramus Catholic is now on that staff at Michigan. I can't remember his name. but uh, So I think the tie's there. And I remember seeing his mom complain about how – they wondered how he would fit it in Georgia in that 3-4. And I think, you know, Alabama runs mostly 3-4 three, uh, three, as well. So I kind of wonder if she's got those same concerns. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Carter, um, I've tried to reach out to him. I haven't had any luck. But he, he seems like he, he's a guy that has not been talked about as much at all. I think he's about 6'3 and 310 pounds out of Georgia. Uh, so, yeah, there's going to be guys that aren't that talked about right now that end up in this class. And those could be a couple guys, uh, Simmons and Carter, especially Carter. I wanted to ask you through uh, exactly like, how would you describe your role right now at Alabama Media Group going forward? Is it, is it more focused on recruiting, the high school coverage? What, what exactly are you going to be doing this, this fall? Looks like it'll uh, be mostly recruiting, um, which is kind of how it has been. It's just when we've had guys leave, I'd, I'd fill in on team coverage and stuff like that. So uh, still still doing recruiting. I'm going to see a lot more high school games this fall, which is which is actually pretty good because you know, last year I didn't get a chance to see as many as I would have liked for various reasons. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, we're still figuring out things. So, uh, still still writing a lot of, of Alabama recruiting, and, um, you know, it uh, should, uh, should be a pretty interesting fall. So, I'll get to – probably won't be at as many Alabama games this fall, but that's fine because my, my, my couch and my recliner are pretty comfortable places <laughs> to watch uh, 
a day's worth of football games because you know when you cover a game, you miss pretty much everything else that's going on. So, uh, so look, look forward to just uh, doing what I'm doing. Yeah, and uh, that's exactly why I'm not covering any one of the Texas games. So exactly. <laughs> well, and I think Drew will. I got so I got a feeling though with his baseball expertise, he'll still probably be at the debut of the new Joe against Maryland though. <laughs> yeah, he will. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, we'll see. That. Yeah. And Avery Johnson's debut. I still wouldn't be surprised if uh, he was because uh, that's going to be during football season. So Drew will be front and center for. Hopefully, a it'll be like a, after seeing Coleman Mausoleum, it's going to be like you're in a twilight zone. It's going to be a completely different world. Oh yeah, I'm sure when they open up against some some no name opponent and there's more than ten thousand people there, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be something totally different. Another thing I wanted to ask you, Drew, uh, while we're on the topic of professional roles and all, uh, it was a big loss when the Alabama Media Group lost Jeff Sintel. He stepped right in for Ron England when Ron took the job in Montgomery with the AHSAA, and Jeff really carried the banner for I guess close to a decade. And, uh, has Josh B been promoted to that spot, or is it just kind of being shared? No, Josh has always been basically a managing what are what we would essentially call an assistant sports editor. He's he's more more in, along that kind of role. He he was essentially that for high school sports, overseeing it throughout the state. So it's been it's been a feeling. We haven't hired anybody to replace him. I'm not sure what we're going to do uh, if we're going to shift some guys around or. Or what? I'm sure I'll be writing a, a good bit of high school stuff this fall. But yeah, Jeff Jeff did a really good job for us, and uh, you know he's, he's doing a lot of good work over covering Georgia recruiting. So um, yeah, uh, I don't really don't really have a good answer for that. But I'm just there's going to be stuff going on this fall, and it's going to get covered somehow, some way. Yeah, and I just noticed that, that Josh was writing more Birmingham stuff than I'd ever seen him write. The stuff I was used to seeing Jeff write, I thought maybe Josh had some increased responsibility. But no, you did, you did a good job of explaining it. I'm sure I'll run into Josh at Edson Games this fall along the way. Yeah, and I guess you're I wanted that. Gary? Yes, uh, and thanks for letting me know that you don't read my stuff. Yes, it's been up for about a week now. <laughs> oh, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> now, Gary Kerry was on my show this week, too, Drew. Uh, he uh, gave his rundown, and uh, it may end up changing too. I got a funny feeling the park crossing may end up sneaking in there at some point uh, and replacing someone because of the talent they've uh, been able to accumulate over there uh, in only, I guess, their second year of existence. Uh, but uh, they've got the, they've now got Tank Jenkins, Juwan Taylor, oh, yeah. and PJ Blue. So they've got to, they, as this Carrie said on my show, they've got to be doing some some good recruiting or something uh, because yeah. they've got some really good players. But uh, I guess I wanted to ask you to kind of close it out. Are you going to be Are you going to be covering the the uh, the, uh, the champions uh, matchups in Montgomery? Uh, is that uh, the champions classic? Is that is that the weekend of twenty uh, first through the twenty twenty second? It is. Yes. I will be out yes. of town then. I planned a little trip. Oh, okay. My original thoughts before even checking the schedule is that college season starts on the fourth and the fifth. That, that week one of high school would be the week before that instead of two weeks before that. So bad planning on my yeah. part, but I'll, I will not be there for that. Yeah, it's a, it's, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be broadcast in Leeds and Madison Academy, and a, it'll be on ESPNU. So wherever you are on your trip, you'll probably get to catch some of it. Yeah, yeah, just making a little beach trip to get ready for the, before the season. So definitely we'll have to Absolutely, get a chance to relax. Absolutely. Drew Champlin, we want to thank you so much for your time. I promise I'll get you off in 30 minutes. I'm only two minutes late. So uh, thank you so much again for your time and for being a friend of this show. And 
of course, we'd love to continue having you on Bams Radio down the line. Sure, and I'll first thing I'll do is I'll go check out your schedule, your Friday Night Lights schedule. Well, it's, it's epic. But like Drew said, there's one game in there that's kind of in jeopardy because I have a schedule, Prattville and Lee, thinking that Tank Jenkins was still at Lee. I didn't realize he'd gone to Park Crossing, yeah. so I may not do that game. But the most of it, 90% of it's done now, and I do have Starkville Clinton, which is also going to be epic. Yeah. So. But again, thanks for joining us, and uh, check out my schedule, and we'll have you on again sometime down the road in the very near future. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Drew Champlin of AL.com who handles the uh, Alabama recruiting beat. And, yes, thank you so much, Mr. Champlin, for your time. And uh, we're going to just get right back into the football discussion. Didn't give a chance yet to our producer, uh, Thomas Watts, to chime in about Alabama's fall camp opening, as I know he did on Talking Ball with Drew Yarman earlier this week. So, Thomas Watts, why don't you uh, tell our listeners some things you'll be looking for? Well, the obvious one that's going to get beat to death is the quarterback. And uh, I'm actually not as convinced that Jake Coker is going to start. A lot of it's going to come down to what the heck either of the young men do in a scrimmage. And that was kind of Coker's downfall last year. Hopefully he's gotten past it, but we'll see. But the stuff I really want to see that I'm going to be harassing both of you about (laughs) when y'all get to see scrimmages, because I get to miss them, and I'm going to harass my mother who gets to see one, (laughs) is – what does the secondary look like? Uh, I have been very, very high on Mel Tucker as a position coach. I think he was a little, a little needs a little more seasoning was the phrase I used on talking ball, and I'll use it here too. He needs a little more seasoning for the defensive coordinator role. But as a position coach, he has, you know, he's proven his stripes. So I, I want to see from him, you know, how is his teaching in terms of technique. How is that rubbed off on what was really a questionable unit last year for the Alabama Crimson Tide? Now, you know, they've got skill positions and skill talent, excuse me, in the secondary out the wazoo, but it's all unproven. So can Tucker bring it along? Because if that happens, I think the Alabama front seven or even the front four only is good enough to get pressure, only send in four, and a good back end – you know, one that'll help cover the back end, but a good strong back end will give so much balance and so much flexibility to what Kirby Smart wants to do that the defense can legitimately carry the offense, even in the middle of what you can say is an offensive almost renaissance in college football. You know, you've got to score points, but I think Alabama could be good enough to put a dent in that trend, put it to you that way. Well, I'll say this. I, what you want to, what you hope to see in the scrimmages is, you don't want to see uh, two straight like you saw Blake Sims light it up last year, and you knew how good Amari Cooper was. At least you had a feeling. But as far as Blake, and, and I'm not disparaging Blake, it, it proved that Blake could play. But what it also foreshadowed when he continually beat the secondary deep is what Thomas is talking about. That Alabama had issues in the secondary. You hope to see a player two. But what you hope is also – that's what I was encouraged by at the, at the end of the spring, despite the fact uh, – I just didn't think – what concerned me with the quarterbacks is they didn't, they didn't have enough moments of, of good, consistent play. You want to see some good, consistent play, just not too much, because you want to see the defense step it up. I thought the secondary looked much better when they put Eddie Jackson at safety, and then that had something to do with the quarterbacks looking poor. But still, there was too many – 
turnovers and too much indecision. I just really want to see what uh, Coker, Cornwell, and Barnett do when they come out. I want them to make a few plays, but again, you don't want them to go ballistic because then you might uh, still have the secondary issues, but I don't think you'll see that. I think it's just going to be who's the most consistent. And if we remember, guys, A.J. McCarron, one of the best quarterbacks in Alabama history, he never tore it up in scrimmages either. But the reason he didn't is the defenses that were you know, on his football teams were so good. And hopefully we've gotten back to that. Hopefully Mel Tucker is going to help the secondary and the safeties and, the, and, uh, and, and that level, their level of play is going to pick up. But what you want to do is you want to see the quarterbacks protect the ball and you want to see them make just enough plays to know that one of them is taking the bull by the horns. They're saying Coker has had a good summer, but I'm like, uh, you know, I'm like Thomas. It's going to have to be Missouri. You're going to have to show me. And uh, he's going to have to come out, and I'm very interested to be at that open practice. I will be there on Sunday, uh, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm want, I want to see how they look. It's going to be really early in fall camp, but you want to see uh, how confident Jake Coker was. And really, is the, is the ball coming out quicker? Uh, is the release faster? Does he look more confident? Because – I just felt like in the spring he did not look confident and his decision-making for most of it was not very good. We'll get a little bit of a picture of that Sunday. I'll be there as well. But we'll get a much bigger picture two weeks from Saturday when there's full pads and 11-11. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no doubt about it. It'll be much, much – they'll show much, much more at something like that. But you just want to see how they look in drill work and, you know, and the accuracy. You know, is he going to is, – is, you know, Jake Coker going to be accurate – uh, is he not going to get blessed out in front of a, the uh, a, a, a standing audience? You know, you just want to see how they look and how much progress, but you know, Blake Barnett's made and how much progress Cornwell's made. We'll we'll just see. I mean, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, you know, AL.com. I did not read that article as I said, but if they said Cornwell had a chance, that's an accurate article. And I'm going to go ahead and say it. The Bama Online article I told somebody today that was complete garbage. And uh, whatever they wrote, I'm not believing that. But, uh, you know, that, that's just my opinion. But uh, based on the intel I've heard, uh, that, that's just that, 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 article, that whole article was a waste of time. The article was written uh, along the lines that the quarterback would be determined by how good the offensive line looked. Like they didn't want to throw either of the younger two guys to the Wolves, Cornwell or Barnett, if the offensive line was, was getting ripped in preseason. Well, a, I don't think that's going to happen. Yes, they are going to be going against the best front seven in America for my money. But well, then why did they give them all those reps in the spring? Then hello. Yeah, yeah. Reach. Well, they won't. They won't be getting as many first team reps as they got in the spring. Oh, but, I'm, uh, I'm talking about Cornwell and Barnett. I mean, hey. No, you're right. You're right. They did in the spring, but that the article was kind of silly. Uh, you know, before you came on this show, Drew, uh, full time, I used to call that website www.makeshitup.com, and I think that article. I hate to use that word on the radio, but I just did. But I think that article was sort of like that. They may have a source that's the assistant, you know, weight room, you know, pulley greaser or whatever, but it was kind of silly. But the AL.com article was much, much better written. The AL.com article simply said that if Cornwell looks good, he could be the guy. But let me say this, Drew Bjarman and Thomas Watts. People are acting like if it's close, between Coker and Cornwell, they'll go with Cornwell because he could be the future. Hell, well, no. Nick Saban's never done that. He's never broken a tie between a young guy and an old guy with a young guy. The young guy has to be head and shoulders better to be out the old guy. 
And, and, and only one of these guys has ever thrown a pass in a college game. His name is Jake Coker. He's thrown a pass in a college game at two different high D1 universities. Didn't always succeed when he threw them, but he had his share of good, good, good plays. So this is crap to say that if it's close, you go with the young guy because the future is named Blake Barnett, from, in my opinion. Well, yeah, I agree with that, and I'll let Thomas comment on it. I think Blake Barnett is the future, um, you know. I think uh, – but I, I have said before if it was close, they would go with the young guy, and I still think if it's neck and neck, that could easily happen. But if Jake Coker – never done that, Drew. Well, I mean, but I'm just saying – He's coached. I know he has, but the, I, I know what I saw – I, I'm going by the eye test. I know what I saw out of Jake Coker in the spring, and it wasn't good. Now, if he's had the summer they're talking about – and he's improved, and, and, and David Cornwell, you know, had his moments in the spring but wasn't consistent because nobody stood out. If Jake Coger comes out and asserts himself like Blake Sims did last spring and then early in fall camp, hey, man, I know it'll be Jake Coker. Because, you know, Nick Saban would rather it be Jake Coker. He'd rather Jake Coker have his moment in the sun if you, I mean, if you made him take a lie detector test and then have Cornwell and Barnett fight it out next year. There's no doubt in my mind. That's what he would want to happen. But Jay Coker has to go out and perform. And I'll let Thomas talk about it. But if Jay Coker doesn't go out and perform as a turnover machine, it doesn't matter if you're a senior. Coach Saban has always played young players at other positions. Uh, at quarterback, he hasn't yet. But uh, they haven't been in this situation. This is his first time at Alabama coming out of a spring where they haven't had a, a uh, starter. Because they, they didn't say it last year, but I think they thought Blake Sims was – uh, they they weren't shocked when he uh, when he took the bull by the horns and won the job after what he did in the spring. So well, I think this is the first time it's been truly wide open going into a fall camp. No, I think you're right. I think that you really hope Jake Coker. Like we said it before, we'll say it again. Jake Coker's issue is he's not got he's not shown the mental ability to consistently. You know, read a coverage or not do something absolutely insane. Right. If you watch, uh, again, if you watch the pick six from the spring practice, there was <laughs> nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing that he did right on that play. Like, yeah, exactly. In general, you look at you look at where a quarterback makes a mistake and throws an interception. Oh well, he read the guy off properly, but the guy just made a football play. Like, uh, let's let's use just a play that comes off the top of my head. Blake Sims' interception in the Sugar Bowl to Von Bell. Blake yeah. Sims threw that a half a tick too late, and Von Bell managed to close on it. That was a mistake, but that's correctable. There was absolutely nothing on that play that Jake Coker did right. Like, he didn't – he read it wrong, he threw it in the wrong spot, and just – I can't even – I can't put into words how bad that play was at the college level. So, if he's doing stuff like that, there's no way he starts because – and I go back to what Saban said during the car wash. The defense has to carry the offense. If the offense is putting the defense in a terrible position, they'll throw David Cornwell out there, and he will be doing five yard down and out until the end of time. <laughs> that, that's it. I'm just saying. That's what's going to happen. No, that's not out of the realm of possibility. But that assumes a lot of a bad things. I, I personally believe that history repeats itself, and I saw what Lane Kiffin did in 2009 with a quarterback that should have beaten Alabama in Rodney Stadium that sucked for three years before that at Tennessee, his initials, J.C. Yeah, Jonathan I mean, 
Yeah, Jonathan Crompton. Uh, that's, he was that's, nothing but Spencer Pennington 2.0 until his senior year. Oh, yeah. He, uh, he, he had been a valued guy that had not lived up to it, and Lane Kiffin coached him up. And uh, I believe Lane Kiffin has got uh, Jake Coker uh, as, the, as the number one guy coming into spring. I think he secretly prefers uh, Blake Barnett, but he also knows that he's not ready yet. I think, I think Blake is very confident in uh, his physical abilities. But he knows he still has to mature mentally. And, you know, I've never been a big fan of playing true freshman quarterbacks. And that's why you'd like to see a guy like Jake Coker. And, you know, hopefully there's a sense of urgency with Jake. Uh, you know, he, uh, you know he, 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 I'm sure he's worked hard this summer and tried to get better mentally and tried to work on his game because this is the last chance. I mean, he had some opportunities at Florida State. Uh, he did not. And, uh, and as Thomas said on my show, made a great point that, yeah, Jimbo Fisher said that it was close statistically between uh, Jameis and uh, Jake, but the thing that separated them, and there was a wide separation then, was ultimately going out when the lights were on and making good decisions and not turning it over. And Jake's always had that problem, uh, but who knows? Maybe uh, Lane Kiffin has been able to coach him up, and uh, you know, now that he's a fifth-year senior and been around a long time, uh, he should be much more comfortable at Alabama now. That's the one thing that a lot of people don't talk about. He didn't go through last spring. He just kind of was thrown in there in the fall and with a bunch of teammates he didn't know. Now he has – I think Thomas will agree, there is no excuses now. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. I want to be clear. Like, I'm not hating on Jake Coker. Right. I just think he's a truth. good quarterback. It's just that when you see plays as categorically awful as that pick six was in oh, the spring – you really have to pump the brakes on this kid because that's something that, like, if I was coaching high school ball and I heard that and I saw that, I would lose my mind on my quarterback. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, best, I would. Guys, yeah, I, I, would too, yes. before, I know I've said this before, and I hate to beat this dead horse, but the best I ever saw Jake play was about three years ago in the Garnet Gold game against Jameis. They were on opposite teams. And Jake and Jameis both took their offenses up and down the field. Jameis had a little bit better game, but it wasn't night and day that day. I realized Jake didn't do it consistently or he didn't start down there and never transferred. But I saw that guard and goal game. I know those games are kind of scripted, but Jake showed that day running and passing that he can be a winner and he can, and he can do it. But the ability is there. The problem is between the ears, and that's Lane Kiffin's job. Uh, I have confidence that it's going to be Coker against Wisconsin uh, – you know, 90% of the people you talk to will say the same thing. The question in my mind is, will there be a short leash like there was with John David Phillips, and then by the fourth game, Andrew Zow was starting back in 1999, or 1998, excuse me, in 98. So that could happen too. But if, if the defense does what I think they can do, and, and the running backs and the receivers do what I think they can do, I think all Jake's got to do is have a 2009 Greg McElroy type of year. Yeah, I you know that could that could easily happen. Uh, you know he he could have a Greg McRoy or a John Parker Wilson uh, in 2008. Uh, John Parker, but the John Parker situation was he didn't have as much talent. He had Mark Ingram as a freshman, but he didn't have uh, he Glenn, he Glenn had Yeah, he had Glenn Coffee, and he had the freshman Julio Jones, who was a freak. But he didn't have any other receivers around him. And Marquise Mays uh, didn't have the kind of year. Darius Hanks, he was okay. He didn't really have another playmaker. He did have, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, Travis McCall, an underrated blocking tight end, but he wasn't much of a receiver. But 
he didn't have as good a supporting cast as those teams. But what John Parker did was he protected the football, and uh, when he was called upon, he made plays to win games. Uh, he did it in uh, he did it in Red Stick in Louisiana. He stuck throws. He did it at Georgia because he'd been around, and uh, and then he played four years in the NFL. So I mean, he he had a solid career at Alabama, um, and and again, Jake Coker probably has more arm talent than John Parker Wilson. It's just all about from the neck up. And uh, I've said it before, and I'll say it again on this show. And uh, and but if if Lane Kiffin uh, can take Jake Coker from the spring to the fall and win an SEC championship, then he's basically Homer Smith. He's he's a true genius because. He would have taken Blake Sims and Jake Coker and won SEC championships with both of them, and and, and two uh, senior quarterbacks who were in their last year of eligibility, and that's big. And that's uh, and, and in my opinion, if he does that, we're going to have a different offense because this uh, team, the way they need to build it around this quarterback, is going to be more like 2008-2009. All right. Well, we're going to uh, bring in a caller uh, that we hadn't heard from in a long time, and we've missed talking to him. And- this is the kind of guy that I was hoping would call us back when we got back to our Wednesday night shows. So let's hear, without further ado, from another guy in the 256, Bring the Pain. Welcome back to Bams Radio, buddy. Thank you, guys. Thank you. How are y'all doing tonight? Doing well. Bring the Pain. Roll Tide. Glad to be Good. Glad you joined us tonight. Roll Tide. I'm doing okay. Doing a little better. Doing better than I was. I've been having real bad health issues. Well, we're uh, we hate to hear that, bring the pain, but we we're glad you're doing better tonight. And what's on your mind? Hey, I was calling to ask y'all, uh, who do y'all think is going to be the quarterback? Who's the sleeper? And will that receiver from Oak uh, Oregon State play? Well, uh, bring the pain. I, I, we, we've been talking about it. I, I still think Jake Coker is, uh, you know, I, I've had, I've been up and down on this. After the spring, I didn't think it would be Jake. But from all you've heard from the spring and the end of spring, excuse me, and, and into the summer and on into the workouts, Jake Coker is, is taking a leadership role and has improved. If it's going to be Jake Coker, uh, his job to lose. But uh, you're going to have uh, David Cornwell, who they're very high on, who is going to continue to compete. And then uh, Buddy Barnett will be given the chance. But, you know, true freshman, it's very, very hard, even for an early enrollee, to, to start as a true freshman in the SEC. And uh, if everyone stays healthy, in a perfect world, they would redshirt Blake. Uh, but we'll see. He may get a chance to play uh, by the middle of the season. If so, it's because they're struggling at the position. So you don't want that to happen. Uh, but And then Richard Mullaney, who you're talking about uh, from Oregon State, I think without a doubt he's going to be in the, in the uh, four deep. Uh, and really, though, it'll be a five-deep rotation at least. I think Calvin Ridley is going to force his way onto the field. But you got to love Chris Black, Ardarius Stewart, uh, Robert Foster. I think it's going to be a deeper wide receiver core. I think Mullaney can help uh, Dale and Charlotte and Calvin Ridley come along. He's someone that's been through the wars in the Pac-12. Uh, he's, uh, he can be a security blanket for Jake Coker. Great hands, knows how to run routes, get open. And I just think if you can have O.J. Howard and Thomas is, do a nice job of breaking down what he needs to do on my show this week on Tuesday. But uh, if, if you have O.J. Howard step forward, I think the receiver core as a group uh, can be a strength and help the quarterbacks. And I'll let uh, Thomas and Kerry uh, get their thoughts. Well, we've got another call on hold, so I want to give uh, Bring the Pain uh, a chance to ask one more question before we let him go. Okay. 
my next question is uh, our defense and our offense. I heard that our defensive line is like gonna be the best front seven, and that our secondary has improved, and our offense. What about our offense? Are they going to be able to protect the quarterback? I, I think they'll be fine on protecting the quarterback, but I think the key to the offense this year is going to be the running game with Derrick Henry and Kenyon Drake, and then the ways they use Drake out in space. I think they're going to run some of the plays to Kenyon Drake and some of the plays to uh, Artari Stewart that they ran last year to Amari Cooper because those guys are great in the open field. But it, it, they're not going to ask Jake Coker to do too much until he shows them he can do a lot. Uh, and we do think he's going to be the quarterback. Regarding the defensive part of your question, Wayne DePayne, is that we are going to have Alabama the best front seven in America this year, uh, a ton of draft picks in that front seven, and not all of them this year's draft. Uh, what they're going to do to help the secondary bring the pain is they're going to rush a quarterback better. They're going to get more sacks than they got last year. They're going to get more quarterback hurries than they got last year. And that by itself, along with the addition of Mel Tucker coaching them, and the fact that Tony Brown and Marlon Humphrey are ready to step up and Cyrus Jones is seasoned is going to make for a better secondary. But we're going to have to let you go. Thank you so much for calling us. Bring the pain. I want to bring in a, another new caller to this show. And this young lady, no, well, young compared to me, knows Cam Akers uh, because her daughter is a cheerleader at Clinton High School where Cam plays. They're in the same grade. They're good friends. I want to bring on my friend Nikki from Clinton, Mississippi. How you doing, pal? Hey, pal. How are you? I'm just as blessed as I'm is, bro. How you feeling? <laughs> I'm good. We want to be good. Well, we want to bring you on because you know Cam Akers, our newest commitment, our newest member of the Bama football family, personally and uh first though before we get to the uh the off the field stuff tell us what it's like for you as a clinton arrows fan to sit in the stands on a friday night and watch this young man play i'm telling you it is electric he makes plays that people don't think to be made and you'll think the play is over because there's a pile of guys on top of him and the next thing you know, he's busting out the backside and scoring a touchdown. I mean, he he jumps over people. He just he's electric to watch, and he's a great playmaker. We're so proud of him. And I understand that off the field, I've never met him. I, I may meet him this fall and start. Well, hopefully, but I, I understand off the field, Nikki, that he's an outstanding young man as well. And I think there's a particular story you wanted to share with us about the YMCA where you work part time. He he is. We have a kid who's in the third grade who thinks the sun rises and sets in Cam, and he has him as a screensaver on his phone, and he gets his autograph every time he sees him or whatever, but he wanted to meet Cam personally. And so another young man that works with me at the Y plays on the football team, and he called Cam and said, hey, man, can you come up here and, you know, visit this little boy? And Cam was like, Absolutely, and he said he got his brother, this was before he got his license, to bring him to the Y, and he stood and took pictures with that little boy and just talked to him or whatever, and, you know, he's just a good kid all the way around. He's very polite. He, you know, knows that the youth of our town look up to him, and he tries to set a good example for them and and give them something to look up to and be proud of. So we're glad to have him. He must have a, a lot of sense, too, because 
an easy thing for a college to do with somebody his age would be to say, hey, man, come on in here and you can be quarterback because he's quarterback for y'all. But apparently someone has gotten a hold of him and told him that his position down the road, uh, two levels from now, not just college but pro, would be running back, and he's agreed to be a running back at Alabama. I don't know if he's said anything at all to you about that, but is, is that kind of an example of, of, of how sensible the young man is? Well, he plays a lot of positions, and, you know, he will is our starting quarterback and has been since he was a freshman. And he'll be – you'll see a play, and then the next thing you know, he's not at quarterback and he's playing running back. Or, I mean, he just – he's an explosive player, and, and he his he is an athlete. He can play pretty much wherever you put him, I guess. And, uh, Nikki, first of all, this is Drew. Uh, Thank you for giving me the follow last night, and uh, we, we reconnected, and, and you reminded me that we did meet uh, last year in Tuscaloosa, and it was an honor to meet you and uh, talk with you again last night. And uh, I guess I wanted to ask, I mean, you obviously, your daughter and your family knows Cam Akers well, and he's been a uh, stud since he was a ninth grader, but when did you, when did everyone around the program start hearing the buzz? Did, 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 it sounds, Cam said yesterday in an interview I saw, uh, that he LSU was kind of his dream school, but has he got, has he always uh, kind of mentioned Alabama though to, to those people around him, or was it just the way Alabama started recruiting him and approached him? Um, I honestly can't answer that. Um, my daughter was a cheerleader with Cam for seventh and eighth grade, so I've kind of really known him, you know, since then. And we did win a little six championship with him as a quarterback. Um, and so, really, just in this last year, year and a half, you know, we've gotten to spend some time with him. And he, he always, you know, said that there were some of the bigger schools that were his place to go. And he did at one time say it was his dream also to go to LSU or get an offer from there. But I think that he really appreciated the recruiting and the way the coaches made him feel at Alabama. And I read in a statement that he said to one of our local reporters, I think it was Courtney Cronin, that, you know, you came to Alabama. It was gonna, you were gonna be a winner, and you would be prepared for life when you got out of it. You know, even if you didn't go play in the NFL, you would be prepared for the world after being at the process. You know, of playing at Alabama. So all I can say is, roll tide and go arrows. <laughs> I know, I know. I I would have uh, paid to be to see uh, everyone's reaction. Uh, Yesterday, when uh, you, everyone the word started leaking out, and you got you guys got the text from Cam that he'd committed. Uh, did everyone know that he had gone up there Tuesday? No, my I was oh, wow. working at the Y, and my daughter texted me, and she said, um, "Cam." She showed me a picture that said, "Cam said, tell your mom I just committed to Alabama," and I was like, "Y'all don't play with me like that." I was like, <laughs> "Are you serious?" And she was like, "No, I'm dead serious," and so. I got on Twitter and started, you know, trying to scroll through Twitter, and then I saw all the tweets. I mean, Twitter was going crazy with all the things and the newspapers and other people tweeting about it, and I was like, oh, it was a sight to see, that was for sure. Yeah, it had to be kind of a dream for you and your family, uh, being big Alabama fans, uh, and you and already, and then to have someone as high profile as Cam Akers in the program with your daughter and then to go to Alabama. So uh, that's big time now. He's just got to stay committed for about two years. But uh, I, I was a little bit surprised he pulled the trigger so quickly, but I knew he'd been a frequent visitor. 
uh, to Alabama, and and I and I guess now uh, I met you at at, at Kerry's tailgate spot. Uh, we may end up seeing Mr. Akers uh, stop by if, if, uh, yeah. if he's on his visits to the side. Yeah, I'm going to try to, when we come to a couple of games, you know, if he can come over there during some of them, I'll see if he can come hang out and and visit with us. I don't so we're excited. We're, we're, no, we're excited to have him. I, I, You know, I didn't really give it a great shot. I, I really thought State was going to come in there and say, hey, you can be the next back. But if they did that, it didn't work So. At least not yet. So, but changing the subject a little bit, Nikki. Um, I don't know if you're going to admit this or not, but when I met you, you were more of a Gators fan, and I think I kind of converted you over to the right side. And since that time, you've been wanting to go to a Bama game. And last year, that finally got to happen. You got to come up with your daughter and your mom and some other folks and see a game for the first time in person at Bryant Denny. Not one, but two. But kind of tell our listeners what that was like for you to get to go to that first game at Bryant Denny when you've never been before and, and how it felt and what your impression was. Well, when I first walked up to the stadium, I was like, are you freaking kidding me? This place is humongous because the only other stadiums I have been to were Mississippi State and Ole Miss were the only SEC stadiums I've been to. And so when you walk in and just to see the grandeur of it and – how big it is. I mean, literally, it looks like an NFL stadium. It's so big, and it was, I mean, it was awesome. The energy there was great. So, needless to say, I'm spoiled and hooked on it forever now. So, and yes, Terry, I was a Gator fan, but I have ties to Gators on one side of my family and Alabama on the other. So, um, but now I'm seeing the light. Hey, and, uh, you, you, Nikki, you, you're all right because the head coach of the Gators is Coach Mack. Everybody, everybody yep. Alabama loves Coach Mack. So there's a ton of Alabama ties now that's going to be there. Uh, he'll have a lot of guys that he worked with or that worked uh, directly with Saban. I can assure you of that. So everyone loves Coach Mack, and uh, I enjoyed watching him surprise that 80-some-odd-year-old uh, Florida fan the other day by showing up at his house and uh, basically yeah. uh, and then congratulating him. So that, that Coach Mack's a great guy, and – we wish him all the luck in the world, except for when he plays the Tide. That's right. I'm an SEC fan, so I really pull for all of them. I just have my favorite. You better not ever let me catch you pulling for all of them. Against anybody. Word? I didn't hear you. Oh, I, thought, I hope I never catch you pulling for all of them against anybody, but hey, it is what it is. Well, look, we want to thank you for calling, Nikki. That was good stuff. Very good insight on, on Cam Akers. I knew that you could bring it, and you did. And uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, we'll let you go now, but roll time and go air. Anytime, roll time. And I think Cam. Oh, thank you, Nikki. We really appreciate it. Hmm. I wonder what she's going to say. Because Cam was. Uh, I gave Nikki and Cam both the uh, number to call and the website to listen to. Oh. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think Cam's going to call because Cam's doing an interview Friday with Drew that we'll probably run next week on this show. So. Gotcha. Which I'm glad Drew is doing that, by the way. That's just uh, talking ball is becoming a great source. And actually, uh, you know, at the, at the bottom of this hour, uh, maybe about 20, how long was that interview with, with the coach? With Dante Hall's coach? Anybody? Sorry, sorry Kerry, I was on mute. 14 or 15 minutes. It's yeah. about okay. 14, 15 minutes. That's fine. Well, we'll run that around the, the bottom of the hour. Uh, 
<laughs> thought Big C was going to call in, but I think he, he might be uh, passed out on the couch uh, <laughs> after, after I chastised him about that debacle last week. But uh, <laughs> he was given permission on the condition that he would only call in from his house when he was by himself, no more walking out of the Gridiron Valley from the Gumby Church of Christ where he just talked to Gene Stallings and Jay Jacobs and Reese Davis. And, by the way, they said, I didn't even tell you all this, but they ran a couple of cuts of an interview with uh, Reese Davis on several channels around here, and every one of them showed him hugging Big C as a cutaway shot. So, anyway, so anyway, yeah, thanks to Nikki calling in from Clinton. I knew that she'd have some good stuff about Cam Akers, and uh, I'm glad that Drew's talking to him Friday. We'll run that interview for y'all next week. Um, certainly sounds like a great addition to the class. Can't wait to meet him. Can't wait to see him go against A.J. Jones and start. Well, I know that's not for the first Friday in November, but I'm actually skipping the first round of Alabama's playoffs to go cover that game. That's the last regular season game for them. And I didn't ask Nikki about this because uh, I didn't want to hold her too long, but, you know, Drew, <laughs> they were put out of the playoffs last year, Cam and, 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 and Clinton, by a team they call the University of South Canola. Oh, yeah. It was, a back, it was a back and forth game. They won the state, but it was a back and forth game. Clinton gave them all they wanted until late in the fourth quarter. Well, guess who comes to Clinton to open the season later this year? Spinola. University of. And there's already smack talk going on between the fans of the two schools. I don't know if the tire man will make the trip to Clinton, but. Uh, oh, man. It's a recruiting joke for those of y'all who don't know who the tire man is. But uh, so, yeah, that, that's who they open with. So they, they get them back to back. Uh, I almost wish I could go cover that, but I'm not making two trips to Mississippi in one football season. For high school, I am going to the uh, the game and start when Bama goes there with Kirkland there. already got my little email from Auburn and Mississippi State this week telling me I was a pretty for conditions. I only haven't heard back from Georgia, but that's okay. That's just when they wait, they do this stuff. Not, not a problem. But, uh, so those are the three road games I'm going to. I'm not going to either Texas trip. I'll be viewing the first one from Somewhere in the Mobile area, hint, hint, Thomas Watts. And then I will be viewing the second one, uh, well, uh, in Tuscaloosa with some friends down there. So no Texas trips for me. Uh, well, since D.C. has not called in yet, why don't we go ahead and take our one and only break now, Thomas, and then we'll come back in just a few minutes. But for now, you're listening to BAMS Radio, a member of the BAMA Sports Radio family.
Welcome back to VAMS Radio, member of the VAMS Sports Radio family. It's 24 minutes after the hour, uh, wherever you are. I don't care what time zone you're in, it's still 24 minutes after the hour. And I'm Kerry Clark from BamaMag.com, joined as always by Rudy Armand of ESPN 97.7 The Zone in Huntsville, and Thomas Watts of Touchdown, Alabama. He's based out of the port city of Mobile. He's our producer, and I'm sitting up here in Hooba. So that means we have the 256, the 205, and the 251 represented. Wouldn't be fair without bringing on somebody from the 334, and hopefully tonight he will be talking only to us, your friend of mine, Colin, Big C. McGuire. I was, I'll be talking to you now. I was at a church function, you know, with Coach Stallings and Reese Davis and all that, and there was a bunch of people around. I probably should have told you I'd call back later that night, but I didn't think about it, so... Anyway, uh, yeah. I'm buying yeah. myself right now. I'm yeah, you were a celebrity that night, Big Z. You, you got a lot of air time. <laughs> Thank you. How you, Drew? <laughs> Doing well, my man. And I know you're pumped up for the start of fall camp tomorrow finally as well. The, a lot of the questions will be answered, uh, or at least over the next few weeks. And uh, we're all looking forward to seeing uh, how quarterback plays out, who steps up at safety, and uh, you know, if the, if, if the offensive line is going to solidify. And uh, I'll be there uh, Sunday getting a look at the open practice as we'll carry and hearing the coordinators speak. And uh, it's going to be interesting. It's a, a great uh, time. Uh, this is always one of the best times of the year. And optimism abounds, and we're going to see uh, what the Tide's got in, a, in short order. Uh, let me ask you this. You know, there was, there was an article in the, at, at AL.com on Alabama football, and they were talking about, Several players that need to come through, talking about Coker, Clint, I mean, Clint, uh, Chris Black, Clint Black. I'm thinking music all of a sudden now. Uh, talking about Foster and then um, O.J. Howard um, and Marlon Humphrey. Uh, I know those guys need to come step it up. What are y'all, what is, how optimistic are y'all them stepping up to where the coaches will be pleased with them or happy with where they need to be at? Well, first of all, Chris Black don't look nothing like Clint Black. But uh, I, I think that the top two wide receivers at the end of the season, when you look at catches and yards and all, are going to be our Darius Stewart and Rob Foster, maybe not in that order. I think Chris will be third on that list, maybe among the wide receivers. I think he's going to play a lot in the slot. Uh, he has a lot of speed. It'll be interesting to see how Lane Kiffin chooses to use him now that he's going to be in the regular rotation. And uh, a lot of the guys on that list that you mentioned are, are guys that I agree with. I've been hearing good things about Marlon Humphrey. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what his role is going to be, uh, but I, I think he's going to be getting some playing time. O.J. Howard, you know, he has 31 catches in two years. I thought by now he'd have 90. But he has 31 in two years, and hopefully this is his year to, to break out. Uh, so, yeah, I, there's a lot of guys – i tell you a guy that might not have been on that list, but the only offensive lineman, Big C, that, that Saban doesn't seem to think has a job locked up is Bradley Bozeman at right guard. So I guess Shank Taylor and maybe Josh Castor are going to be pushing Bradley. But when it's all said and done, I still think Bradley will hold on to the job. But I'll, I'll, uh, I'd like to get Drew Armand's thoughts on that right guard. Well, I can tell you, Mario Cristobal is very high on Bozeman. Thinks he's uh, going to win the job at right guard. He's got to go out and do it. But, he, some people even consider him the strongest pound-for-pound uh, pound member of the football team. And 
I thought once he settled himself down, Ole Miss, he did not do a very good job at center, but heck, he didn't even, he didn't expect to play in that game. That's one underrated aspect of that contest people don't even talk about. Obviously, they lost King and Drake. He was a very big part of the game plan, but Ryan Kelly went out of that game. It was a perfect storm for the Peckerheads from Oxford, uh, but they're fixing to get their ass whipped, and I'll pretty much just guarantee that. Uh, I know. Uh, they're very confident that they're going to have a good football team if they've turned the corner. Well, they're fixing to turn into a brick wall when they come to Bryant-Denny Stadium. They're going to get jacked. They might as well get ready to get jacked, and they can go take pictures of the goalposts that they tore down because it's probably going to take them another decade to beat Alabama. I'll just say that. Tire man be damned. Uh, that Alabama is going to come hard after Ole Miss. It took them 10 years to beat Alabama. There was a lot of blowouts in, that, uh, in, in those 10 years. There's going to be a lot more coming. I think Hugh Freeze is a pretty good football coach. He's not Nick Saban. Uh, you're going to find that out this year. Uh, obviously, uh, a lot of people remember the last time they came to Bryant-Denny, they were shut out. I don't know if they'll get shut out this time, but they're going to get a whipping put on them. I'll just go ahead and say that. I, I even went on the record yesterday on Facebook as saying Ole Miss will be the most overrated team in the SEC. It's what I believe. I don't think they can run the football. Uh, I don't think they're a hard-nosed football team. Uh, you know, they, they talk about themselves on defense, but they didn't. The Land Sharks, uh, uh, they were pretty much uh, minnows by the end of the year last year. They didn't finish very strong. We'll see if they can continue now. Uh, that they, they, they think they're going to be a year-in and year-out force defensively. Well, uh, you, have to, you have to earn that. Let's see if they can do it. Uh, but, again, I just really think right now uh, Alabama is going to come out with a mat on in Bryant-Denny Stadium uh, September the 19th. I look for them to truck Ole Miss. Uh, and as long as they get a uh, consistent quarterback play from Jake Coker, whoever that may be, uh, I think Alabama is going to really show Ole Miss uh, what hard-nosed football really is. And because uh, they've seen, uh, they've had to live through it for a year. We all see what Coach Saban does usually in rematches. Um, and and I think Bradley Bozeman the next week against the Texas A&M, I thought he played very well at center. And then I thought he did a really good job uh, helping close out the Tennessee game when Cam Robinson was injured and they had to move. Uh, uh, some people around, move Austin Shepard uh, out there to left tackle, uh, move Leon Brown uh, to right tackle. And then I really thought Bozeman did a great job at right guard. And I, I think he'll take that job. And uh, and I think Dom Jackson's got a lot of potential at right tackle. I think this could be a really good offensive line, maybe the best since 2012. Certainly not as good as that unit, but still very, very solid. Well, I, well, I don't know. That's That'd be nice to have a the offensive line turn out to be as good as that 12 team had on the line, um, which I wouldn't be expecting that this year, but maybe in a couple of years they might can do that. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, now, who's this guy that is from Clinton, Mississippi? I know he's a year away or so, but he's committed, and they say he's supposed to be a heck of an athlete. That would be Mr. Cam Akers, who is a quarterback for – the Clinton Arrows, and he did commit. He's a class of 17 kid, so he's got two more years of high school. He does project as a running back in college, and he's developed a good relationship with Burton Burns and Coach Saban, and I guess Bo Davis too. They're doing they're doing a bang up job recruiting Mississippi. You always wonder how a Mississippi kid's going to stick long term because of the stuff that goes on in recruiting over there. But this guy, I don't think is is somebody that's walking around with his hand out. He's a high character young man. And uh, we had someone call us earlier this hour whose daughter's a cheerleader on his team, and she talked about his character, what a, a good, humble, respectful young man he is, and uh, what a great athlete he is, and how fun it is to watch him on Friday nights. And uh, 
It's it's a it's a commitment that Alabama fans should be genuinely excited about, and I think Drew would agree with me. I completely agree. Um, he does seem like a, a level-headed, self-centered, or you know, well-centered young guy. I mean, he's just—I think he's someone that's very mature for his age. He seems to have a good uh, support system around him. He's just—he's—he doesn't come from a one-parent home. Uh, I think his parents uh, uh, are pretty stable financially. So I think uh, right now, as long as Alabama continues to produce, um, I think they have a good chance of holding on to Cam Akers. You never know how recruiting is going to turn out. But, again, he seems to be a centered guy, uh, you know, a well-spoken young a young guy. Look forward to having him on Talking Ball on Friday at 1.30. So everybody kind of tune in to that to see where his mindset is. And I'm sure it's been a whirlwind couple of days for him going public with his commitment and visiting Alabama on Tuesday and deciding to pull the trigger. And uh, But, I mean, uh, and it's going to be interesting because Alabama, I think, uh, they think they have a good chance of Jeffrey Simmons from making Mississippi. We brought him up. Uh, Kerry's brought up A.J. Brown, who is from Starkville, is getting a lot of mentions as the next Julio Jones. Uh, they feel good about him. And we haven't really mentioned Nigel Knott, but he's another one that uh, Rodney Orr, I'm very close to at Tire Insider, thinks Alabama's got a legit shot at uh, from uh, Madison, Mississippi, Germantown High School. His dad, David, played at Ole Miss, but doesn't seem enamored uh, with uh, sending his son to the Rebels, uh, Oregon, uh, where he has a uh, connection as far as one of his old coaches is there. Is, right in the mix, Florida State, and then, of course, Alabama with their uh, development of defensive backs. And then David Knott has some ties to Alabama because he was an arena football standout uh, for several years with the Tennessee Valley Vipers as well. So there are some ties to the state of Alabama there. And it looks like Alabama, and if they can hold on to Raekwon Davis, this may be the year that Bo Davis is uh, with Burton Burns and Billy Napier that they finally break through in the state of Mississippi, especially if Ole Miss and State finish 6th and 7th in the West, like I think they will, and I dang sure hope. They say <laughs> one more question. What, how much do you think this Richard Mullaney, the transfer from Oregon State, will be able to contribute this year? He will be in the rotation, Big C. Uh, he's someone – they brought him in to play. He's someone that can help the younger kids, especially – uh, Ridley and Daylon Charlotte. He knows how to run routes, knows how to get open. We've mentioned it earlier in the show. He can catch the football, and he's, he will be a reliable option for whoever the QB ends up being. He's played uh, against high-level competition in the Pac-12. He will be a solid top-five guy in the rotation. Uh, I still think your top three are Robert Foster, Ardarius Stewart, Chris Black. Uh, then you'll, Mulaney will be there. Uh, Calvin Ridley will force his way there. Who knows? Uh, you know, Travis Rye, who I infinitely respect at Bama Online, thinks Raheem Falcons is still somebody uh, that can get mean, meaningful reps. So they're going to have a lot of depth at receiver. Uh, these guys just have to step up and make plays. Uh, but I don't think there's any question that they're going to have, you know, six, five or six, seven guys uh, that are very talented and capable of making plays. And uh, really anxious to see Robert Foster and after he, uh, he overcame the drop season, the first scrimmage, to really be a playmaker the last two. And Ardarius Stewart, we've always been excited about his electric playmaking ability, needs to be more consistent and gain the trust of the coaches, but he really showed a lot of flashes in the spring. And then Chris Black, you're really rooting for a kid like this. He's already graduated. He's spent a lot of time hurt uh, when he first got to Alabama, which stunted his progress. And he's had to wait behind a lot of talented players and Amari Cooper, DeAndre White, and Christian Jones. But this is his uh, final shot at Alabama to go out with a bang and you hope he can stay healthy and produce because 
when, in the small windows, we've seen it. Chris Black, he's shown a uh, definite talent, and he was a five-star kid. And, and I agree with Terry. I think he's going to play quite a bit in the slot. We appreciate you guys. Right. Big C. We got a uh, coming up with a high speed coach. And roll Tide. Good night. Thank buddy. you, Big C. Roll Tide. Appreciate it, man. All right. Well, we're going to move on now to an interview that was done earlier in the week by Rudy Armand with Coach Dorsey from uh, the high school down in Leeburn, Alabama. He was Dante Hall's coach. And Drew, I'll go ahead and let you introduce this clip, and then we'll roll it. Yeah, it's an excellent insight by Richard Dorsey, the head basketball coach of the 2A Laverne Tigers, who was able to coach not just Dante Hall but his brothers as well and had a very close personal relationship with their family and uh, Dante Hall's father. And for those that don't know, Drew Champlin was on our show earlier, but he wrote an outstanding piece, on uh, which I mentioned in the interview, about uh, Dante Hall and his journey uh, to becoming a big-time uh, college basketball prospect and realizing his dream of playing at the University of Alabama. And Coach Dorsey kind of goes into that. And also just the, the overall development and what Dante Hall meant to his program. But this is uh, my on Talking Ball, me uh, breaking down Dante Hall's career with Richard Dorsey, the head basketball coach of Lou Vern. And it's, I think a lot of the Bama Nation is going to enjoy hearing this about uh, the, the, just how far this young guy's come and, and uh, what a story he could be. And uh, I think he has as much potential as anyone in this 2015 recruiting class. And I ultimately agree with Coach Dorsey. I think if he continues to work like he has, he could he could reach the NBA level, which would be so huge for their community. But this is a, myself and Richard Dorsey uh, talking about his star, Dante Hall, who is now at the University of Alabama. We're going to be joined for the first time on our show by the head basketball coach at Laverne High School, Richard Dorsey. Coach Dorsey, how are you? I'm doing well, Drew. How are you? Doing really well, Coach. And I want to thank you for taking some time out to join us. As a, I know another school year is about to start for you, but we wanted to kind of uh, – go back and take a look at someone that you, I know, were privileged to coach and have in your program, and that's Dante Hall, who, of course, has signed and is now enrolled at the University of Alabama. And, and I know he had a big-time impact on you as both on and off the court in your program. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you don't have too many like that uh, in a lifetime to come through a program like that, but he impacted uh, not just the basketball program, he impacted the student body just by hit his demeanor and just how he carried himself and you know he was just a real special person he really was and to kind of let our listeners know here in Huntsville and of course this is a basketball crazy community but uh, that that may not be as familiar with his story Uh, he came a long way uh, both on and off the court as we were just saying but just kind of talk about uh, you know what happened with his family and also uh, tell everyone kind of uh, the story the background with his father and and what happened to him early in his career by playing in your program Okay. Well, I mean, uh, Dante was playing my junior varsity team. It was, I think it was his first game playing junior varsity. Um, I think he was in the eighth grade at, at, at that time. And, um, you know, his dad always supported him and supported all the programs up there. But immediately after his game was completed, you know, we just seen a lot of commotion in the stands. And, um, and we all looked up there and – uh, just noticed that Dante's dad had collapsed. And, you know, he ran up the stairs, and, you know, I was trying to get all the players away because I knew something wasn't going well. And, you know, he just, a uh, short story, you know, his dad had just had a massive heart attack and, you know, and uh, pretty much uh, passed away inside our gymnasium. That's my first time ever being, uh, I mean, having uh, been uh, with something like that 
Yeah, you know, all my career, I've been around basketball all my life, and that's the first time I ever been uh, with something like that. And, you know, and then, you know, he just took a little time off from school to uh, get himself together, him and his, and his mom. And, you know, he came back his ninth grade year, and, you know, he had grown a little bit. And, you know, he just kept uh, progressing, and, you know, he just had a um, picture of his dad, uh, and then, you know, he also had had a recording of his dad on his phone that, you know, that was his driving force for a long time, I think, until he actually might have broken his phone. And then, you know, he, uh, 10th grade year, he played, uh, I mean, he had been on the varsity ever since. And, you know, that was when he, that's when he really started blossoming. He actually grew to like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. In the 8th grade, he probably made it like 6'1". And, wow. um, you know, and then that's when we went to the to the region, Alabama State, and, um, you know, he just definitely got noticed because, you know, he just really excelled and he, he was the MVP when we uh, made it to the, uh, well, made it to the finals and we won that and went to the Final Four that year. And um, then we came back the next year, um, fully loaded. We probably should have won that year, but, you know, that's just where it goes sometimes. And, you know, he was probably like six, seven maybe six, eight at that time. And, uh, you know, he just uh, just made all the guys around him better. And, you know, just how he uh, approached the game and how he worked hard, and, you know. Uh, you know, he got a lot of attention, but he, he just never let that bother him. And, you know, it just we just, um, just stayed close him. And uh, a lot of the players, you know, they, they're very close. And, we just tried to shelter him as much of from as much of the stuff we could, but you know he, he always stayed grounded. His mom kept him in church and uh, kept him grounded on that end. And you know I just tried to do my NBS support him when when I needed to and answer any questions. And, yeah. You know, and I last, you know, last year, you know, he was player of the year for two A. You know, he mm-hmm. his his numbers probably could have been a whole lot better, but you know I you know he still averaged probably twenty uh, twenty four points and about 18, 19 rebounds and about 10, 11 blocks. But, a triple-double, that's, that's something. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. And, but, you know, and, you know, he just uh, – we just happened to, for him to be there. It's the first time the D1 scholarship in basketball has been awarded to someone from Luverne High School, and we're very proud of him. Yeah, I, I can only imagine how, how proud – yourself and the school and the community is and also I know you were very close to his father Donald and you also coached his brother so it's kind of been a family affair they've all come up through your program at Laverne yeah yeah we all um we all been very close and you know and his um all his you know his close uh community you know most of them are relatives and um his 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 brother and his older brother you know he's he volunteers and helped me on my staff now and, um, you know, he's very instrumental in, in you know, helping uh, me with uh, Dante Special Wins. You know, sometimes he can talk to him about things that, you know, I, I couldn't. But, you know, I was always trying to be there. But, you know, you know we're very close. And, you know, I've, I've talked to him. Um, I haven't talked to him today, but I've talked to him pretty much almost every day. And uh, as far as for the listeners now, I mean, you just talked about how he grew so much since he was even in eighth grade. What is his – I know you've been communicating with him since he got to Alabama. What's his current height and weight now? Um, his current height, I think, is um, – he's, he's a little bit over 6'10", maybe 6'10 and a half. He's probably like uh, 230, 25, 30 pounds. Um, you know, I just talked to the coach. They said he did put on like 11 
pounds of muscle this summer. Nice. And um, and they're very impressed with you know just just how he plays the game and how you know he's very very coachable. You know, but I knew that was going in, and you know his offense is what a lot of people don't realize how much he got. They they're they're very excited about him, and you know we know he's going to have a yeah, he really will, Coach. And I was going to talk. I was going to bring up the Alabama Mississippi All Star game. I, I was very impressed with him. Of course, I saw him uh, when uh, you guys made the Final Four at, when his junior year and uh, played uh, against Elba and had you know, as you said, probably should have won the state tournament. But it, but it is what it is. Uh, you know, weren't right. lost a close ball game. But uh, he, I thought he had improved dramatically and also uh, and, and started to change his body then. Uh, he looked much more confident offensively, playing against the best players in the state. Uh, of course, he blocked shots and rebounded and was a presence, but he even uh, stepped out and made a three uh, from the corner. I had to kind of ask him about that right after the game. I was like, Dante, man, you, uh, you kind of showed off a different little skill set there. Nobody knew you had that. He's like, yeah, I've been working on it a little bit. And so I thought he really looked a lot more confident and could have easily been the MVP in that game with uh, how many shots he blocked all and of course the rebounding and of course scoring right right yeah you know he's uh, he's always been uh had a good range on shooting you know uh, just, he just didn't do as much as you know he could have or uh during the during the season when he played for me but i think that while he's been at Bama, they really noticed that you know he can actually dribble the ball for his height he dribbled the ball pretty well also and uh yeah, he's um he's going to have a lot of uh, skills and you know he still hasn't turned 18 yet he don't turn 18 wow. until sometime uh, next month and so he still got a lot of growing to do and um i mean I, his upside is uh is unlimited right now it really is and he reminds me a lot of a, a former a guy at linden high school roy rogers who came out years ago who went, was also a small school guy but who developed over time and of course enjoyed an nba career uh, and uh, is now in the, in the National Basketball Association coaching. Uh, but I think that Dante has that kind of upside. I don't think there's any doubt about it. He seems to have a great work ethic. And, of course, uh, talking with the young man, a very good attitude. And I know uh, he had a very close relationship with Anthony Grant, and uh, that was one of the reasons why he chose the Tide. But ultimately, you know, Coach Grant uh, is not with a program, uh, you know, was dismissed. But they bring in Avery Johnson, and uh, he can – he and I think a big key uh, was keeping Antoine Petway, who I know had a close relationship with yourself and, of course, his family and Dante. Yeah, I mean, I think that was very crucial with a, I mean, a lot of the recruits that they had already signed uh, when they kept Coach Bentway. You know, we, uh, you know, I, I still have a good relationship with uh, Coach Grant. Uh, he's a good guy, you know, and, and, and I really, really like him. But you know, I've talked to Coach Avery also, you know, and you know, I like him too. And but you know, but his decision to keep Coach Bentway, I think that was very vital. And um, you know, because his mom, you know, with the situation what they went through, she just wanted. To somebody she felt comfortable with to help bring up the, her son, you know, because we've done much we could on our end, and, you know, he got a different chapter in his life, and she wanted somebody, that, you know, that she trusts that she can turn him over to, and uh, I think she felt comfortable with that. She met Coach Johnson, I mean, Coach, uh, yeah, Avery Johnson, and uh, Coach Petway was still on staff, so yeah, I think I think everything going to work out well. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's any question about that, and I know also – uh, because uh, his father Donald meant so much to your program, and of course Dante uh, has been, you know, the first Division One SEC uh, athlete to, to sign a basketball scholarship out of Laverne. Uh, I know it means a lot to you, and, and you guys have also uh, c- commemorated his father in the stands at Laverne. Yeah, yeah, we um, I mean, we 
I mean, it, it, it just it's just special, you know. And, you know, we just want everybody to uh, know the story when they come in, you know, uh, even though, you know, Dante, he really downplays it. But uh, I think that was what really – I know that what really fueled him his last uh, three or four years while he played for me uh, just because, you know, he would actually go up there and sit in that spot quite a bit during the day or before a game or, you know, I know I see him glancing up there. And um, I think his uh, uncle still will sit up there. His mom would actually be close to that same spot. Uh, so, you know, it's a, it's, a special, it's a special place for us in our gym. Yeah, there's no question about that. And I wanted to to ask or to confirm something. Did he sign his national letter of intent there? Yeah, we we set it up right there where his dad collapsed and, and passed. We set up a, a table and stuff up there. And, and you know, as his dad passed, uh, he want, we wanted him to. Uh, it'd be like he started his next chapter of his life with his dad and his right there in that spot. So, yes, sir, sure did. No, that, that, that's great stuff, Coach. And, and I know uh, you, you've continued to uh, – you, you're going to continue to uh, be a close to him throughout his Alabama career. What has he told you has been uh, – what how the summer work has been like so far? What's been his impression of making the transition, of course, playing for the Laverne Tigers and now being a part of the Crimson Tide? Well, Anthony, we're just saying that it, it's, um, you know, the drills is a whole lot more intense um, uh, that Coach Johnson really, really uh, works on. But, you know, he's um, he, he very he, – he actually enjoying the working out with the weights because, you know, we don't have the, right. uh, the, the, the facilities like they do. And, you know, that's what he really in tune into. And uh, he's just enjoying the whole uh, atmosphere, the whole – make up of everything all the guys and you know he he's really uh enjoying you know he's doing well in class also and that's my big thing for him and so you know i think the whole thing for him is working out very well so far yeah there's an, i i know he's he's got to be enjoying the transition and i know as a coach you got a chance to, to work with him uh, from middle school through high school and now that he has the uh access to the facilities like they have at alabama and 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 the nutritionists that they have there and the, to be able to eat at their training table there's no telling uh what he could do as far as once he continues to build his body up and work every day on his game his upside to me when i was watching him play for you in high school and then of course at the alabama mississippi game the, the thing that struck me was he was still growing he could end up being seven feet tall and he and with his wingspan and athleticism he's got an unlimited upside oh yeah exactly i mean i think someone on someone on his uh in his family is already uh seven seven feet maybe an uncle or cousin or something so i know you know he still got a lot of growing to, growing to do but yeah when he, they get him in there feeding him well uh getting him eating like he needs to be and you know, lifting weights and you know uh because he really thrives on the on the preparation, and that's that's how that's what he really uh, gets gets his work in. He he's he got a great work ethic, and I think that um, his confidence level, you know, when he's came came home a few times over the summer, I've seen his confidence level is just going up and up and up. And I think once his body uh, keep changing and get to where he wanted to be, I mean, I think it's going to be un- unlimited. Yeah, and hopefully someday. Uh, he 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 can be uh, immortalized as someone that from Luverne that can be a great example. He's already a great example for your community, but someone that continues to work hard can hopefully be a standout on the college level and maybe even be fortunate enough to reach uh, the highest level of basketball. I think uh, it's all in front of him if he just continues to work. 
Oh, yeah, it, it is. You know, that me and him talked about that. You know, first thing you want to do, make sure what you do, you get your get your education. You know, if things happen that you are fortunate enough to play on the next level, that, that's, that's, that's awesome. That would be awesome. But, you know, just keep working hard and, you know, things would, would happen for you if they were meant to. And so, I mean, I think he's keeping a level head, and, and I know the coaches are very pleased with his work ethic, and so I think he's going to be fine. Yeah, I think you will too. Well, Coach Dorsey, we appreciate the time uh, this afternoon. Uh, we know it's been a very busy time for you, and uh, we want we are going to closely watch Dante's progress. We're very excited about seeing him play for the state school, and we want to thank you for uh, helping develop the young man both on and off the court and for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Yes, sir. I appreciate the call, and uh, great talking to you. Yes, sir. That's Richard Dorsey, head basketball coach of the 2A Luverne Tigers, who has sent his star, Dante Hall, to the University of Alabama, and uh, he will be uh, playing for Coach Avery Johnson's first Crimson Tide squad this coming October and in November. So be be aware of Dante Hall, six foot ten and a half, about 225, 230 pounds. He's going to be a big-time impact newcomer for the Crimson Tide. Stay with us on Talking Ball. Great stuff, Rudy Armstrong. Great stuff, Coach Dorsey. Six ten and a half, two twenty five. That's uh, that sounds quite promising for a guy who may not be through growing through. Yeah, it does, and hopefully he can reach the seven foot plateau. I mean, as Coach Dorsey said, he's got a relative that's already seven foot, and we saw him hit a three in the Alabama Mississippi game, and I thought he looked much more comfortable offensively than he did the year before. And now that hopefully he'll get much better coaching from Avery Johnson staff and. Of course, uh, be able to lift weights consistently, get the nutrition he needs. I don't think there's any doubt uh, that Dante Hawk could surprise a lot of people and could be uh, an impact guy down the road for the Tide. He'll, get, he'll play minutes this year. He's going to have to. They need him inside. He's a young Robert Warren. You heard him first. All right. Uh, well, you know, we only have about five minutes left, so let's uh, finish up with some final thoughts on the opening of fall camp in Tuscaloosa. I'll go first. Uh, We've covered a lot of it, but uh, something else I'm really curious about, Drew, is the defensive back rotation. I think we know that Tony Brown and Cyrus Jones are going to start at corner. We're unsure yet what Geno Smith's status is for game one. If he plays, I think him and A. Jackson start at safety. If he doesn't play, I think the wild card uh, could be a true freshman. Well, and I think, uh, you know, Ronnie Harrison will get on the field. I think Minka Fitzpatrick has a chance to make a contribution, but I really think Eddie Jackson found a home at safety. Uh, I think once Geno gets off his suspension, I think Geno will play a lot. It's just Eddie Jackson's going to have to be physical. Uh, he's going to have to take on the role of Landon Collins and be the guy back there that can tackle in the open field. And then Maurice Smith. Don't forget about Maurice. Uh, he, he did give up some plays in the 8 game, but he did have the pick six. He has some corner uh, skills. Uh, he's, 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 he's flashed ability. It's going to be a big fall camp for him. So I just think, I think watch, yeah, watch Maurice. Uh, he could be the star easily. So, uh, he's someone to watch. I think, uh, and then Kendall Sheffield, he may force his way into the mix at corner. I know he has extreme talent. Uh, and I think, uh, finally after Greg Brown for a year, Kirby back, uh, moving back to safety, but now back at his more comfortable position, the inside linebacker. Hopefully they found the right chemistry with Mel Tucker uh, coming in to reach these guys and develop some players. I really like what I saw out of Marlon Humphrey after redshirting. Bradley Still, you know, I, I, I was really proud of the way he bounced back last year after getting torched by a top-ten draft pick, by the way. But then coming back against Auburn, 
And despite being completely hosed by incompetent, pathetic officiating uh, and robbed of an interception in the Iron Bowl, I thought he really played well. I thought he should have played more in the Ohio State game, given his level of performance uh, against uh, Auburn. But uh, he's, he's a senior. He's got a chance to play quite a bit. Cyrus Jones, who I've, my, despite what my friends say, I still think he was a really solid corner last year. And then Tony Brown. Tony Brown had as good a high school film as you're going to see uh, coming out of Beaumont, Texas. He got thrown into the fire last year, got burned a little bit. But I think he's uh, definitely you – know, they always say the most improvements from your freshman to your sophomore year, and I look for Tony Brown to lock down the other corner, and you're going to have some quality, quality depth uh, with Marlon Humphrey, Sill, and perhaps Kendall Sheffield, and somebody like Minka Fitzpatrick who's versatile who can play uh, safety end corner. And some of those guys you mentioned may not be in the rotation immediately, but they could certainly contribute early on on special teams. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Minka Fitzpatrick, Kendall Sheffield, uh, Adonis Thomas, uh, the linebacker from the state of Georgia. All those guys have the athleticism uh, to contribute on uh, special teams. I think Keith Holcomb will be a special teams demon, uh, even Sean Dion Hamilton. There will be no excuses for not having good coverage teams. There should be enough great athletes at Alabama that they should have excellent coverage teams and even be able to maybe give Reuben Foster some time off or he don't have to decapitate people there and can concentrate on his uh, responsibilities on defense. Again, Reuben, my gut feeling is that he – is the starter when we open the season by Reggie Ragland. Oh, I think so. Uh, he was tremendous in the spring. He was. I thought he had a Reggie Ragland type spring from last year. Uh, was fundamentally sound. Did not get injured. Uh, was able to stay on the field. Did not get cursed out nearly as much. And I think. Uh, and I think uh, if we if we go to Sunday and he's not getting cursed out, and uh, you know he's uh, and you know uh, he's continuing to take those steps. The athleticism's always been there. If he's finally confident mentally and can just react and play, uh, Reuben Foster can help his defense become the lead. We're not going to probably see a ton of it uh, Sunday because they don't do a lot of it at fan day, but we will see in the scrimmage in a couple of weeks. Can't wait to find out how healthy Adam Griffith is. Yeah, you know, you want to see, you know, he had a stress fracture in his back, had some issues with his hip. Is he healthy? I mean, he was tremendous on film. Uh, he had a lot of talent coming out of Calhoun, Georgia. And he really needs to step up because there's a young man coming named Eddie Pinheiro uh, who has been at every kicking competition he goes to. He blows people away. He just won one in the, in the uh, Atlanta area in the old, near the stomping grounds of Adam Griffith the other day with some couple of 60-yard field goals to win the competition. He's got as good a leg as I've ever seen. And uh, I think he'll – my prediction is he'll redshirt at Asa College in Miami and then he'll have four years to, to play four when he comes to Alabama. But – Again, Adam Griffith is very talented. Uh, hopefully, he can turn the corner. I, you know, I think he's got the leg strength. Uh, there's no doubt about it. He just needs to get a little bit more consistent. And hopefully, this off season, I thought he looked much better in the spring. He had a couple of misses, but uh, I think those were those were uh, were uh, most of those were long kicks. I know he slipped and missed a thirty some thirty five some odd yarder in one of the scrimmages late, and I think it was a day. But that wasn't really disconcerting to me. He didn't miss it badly. And I think if he's truly healthy, uh, he can step up. You know you got the best punter in college football uh, in J.K. Scott. I would think punts will be handled by Cyrus Jones until further notice. And then uh, kickoffs, get ready for King and Drake. Super excited about that. And uh, we may even see a little bit of Marlon Humphrey, too. And Marlon was a great kick returner at Hoover. 
he was, and it won't shock me if Rob Foster is the one back there playing the Kevin Norwood block and roll. But if they do kick it away from Kane and Rob has to run it back, we'll be just fine. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this edition of BAMS Radio. It's been a fun two hours. Uh, we want to thank Drew Chancellor of AL.com, our friends Nikki and Big C and Wayne Payne, who all called in, and of course Coach Dorsey for the tape interview from earlier this week in Cleveland. For Drew Armour with 977 Bowman Huntsville for Trump's Clark, the Touchdown on the Magazine. I'm Kerry Clark of BattleMag.com. Wishing you and yours a happy rest of your week. Good night. This is the band Playbill. This is the Battle Sports Playbill family. Roll Tide, everybody. Roll Tide. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 